Hello and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. There's all kinds of family. We chose this one. This episode 146, Hobbs and Shaw, lap 7. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Too. And this episode is brought to you by Snowflake Memories. Snowflake Memories is a small family business in rural Vermont. They were in operation since 1998, selling Baldani thread and other products they designed to customers and stores in North America and Europe online and through event shows. Shout out to Snowflake Memories. .ecrater.com. After the break, we will be talking with Nico and Kevo once again about Hobbs and Shaw. But Joe, first, extracurricular activities. What have you been up to in the last couple of days? We've been watching and catching up on a show that I, you know, I talked about before, but I kind of like put to the side, Love After Lockup. Oh, of course. So we've been watching a lot of Love After Lockup catching up, and it's as delightful as, as we imagined. We turned on Double Jeopardy. Because it was on Pluto. The Ashley Judd one? Isn't that, isn't yes. No. Yeah, okay. Yes. So we were watching that, and Rachel was like, oh, I love this movie. I love these kinds of movies. You know, we're big, like, thriller kind of peoples. And she was like, I want to f- see more movies like this. We got into a huge Michael Douglas kick again. And last night we watched The the Perfect Murder Okay. with um, Gwyneth Paltrow. Because, you know, Michael Douglas had, like, a run there where he just did all thriller movies about murders, twist movies. And we are just getting ready for thanksgiving rachel's parents will come visit for thanksgiving we're having a very small thanksgiving because they you know have just been home working at home for the past forever and when i came back from pittsburgh i went and got tested at work because at work is actually wonderful about testing they have a really cool testing center at work schedule online you walk in i swiped my id badge from work the woman there handed me a swab and a, a tube you go into these like sheds did you ever go to, like, one of these fairs or, like, home and garden shows where they have, like, single-person saunas? Do you know what I'm talking yes. about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of like an outhouse, but, like, you know, not like that. Like, not for pooping. Yeah. Um, it's So they have these, like, sheds that are in plexiglass with, like, a foot door opener, and you go into the shed, and you swab your own nose, you put it in the thing, come out of the shed, you drop it in the box, and I got my testing results the next day. It's, like, incredible. It, like, the whole process took me about 35 seconds oh, wow. from okay. realistically it took me three minutes total from like checking in to like walking out the door of the place so i was like this is awesome they work has started recommending that everyone that's at work gets tested twice a week not to be scary to everyone else but we were a little ahead of the curve when this stuff started they're expecting it to get much worse so stay vigilant everybody listening please Hopefully you got your flu shots too. It's going to be a long winter. Oh, I did not tell my flu shot story. So I got my flu shot a couple of weeks ago and I go to my local drugstore and I get a flu shot, yeah. puts the alcohol on my arm to like mm-hmm. prepare it and puts the shot in and has this band-aid. He's like, I, I don't know where, I don't know where I put it. Like you're not bleeding. And I was like, yep. oh, he's like, if, you, if you're, if you're okay, I'm okay. I'm like, yeah, okay. And like, we, he, like, he kind of stared at my arm for like 30 seconds. Like it didn't bleed. He's just like, you know, just move it in case, you know, it gets sore. But I was like, oh, okay. Okay, weird. And he, like, I just walked out like it was the weirdest because like, not that I'm ever like a big bleeder, but like every time I've gotten a shot before I've needed a bandaid and this was like, oh, maybe I'm a superhero now. I don't know. Not to negate your fantastic epidermis, but I feel like a lot of the times when Rachel, Rachel, because Rachel and I go and get her flu shots at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's like the easiest thing to do. A lot of years we have very similar symptoms. One year I remember I got it and I like, 
the next day I woke up and my arm was really sore. And she had the same thing. This year, I specifically remember, too, that we both got our shots and there was very little to no blood. I think it's like the shot this year is very strangely like not bleeding. Like, I don't know if they changed the needle tips that they use or what, but I I had a very similar experience where like I wasn't bleeding this because she like looked at it. She was like, oh, yeah, it's probably like somewhere there. And she, like, threw a Band-Aid on, and, like, when I peeled the Band-Aid off when I got home, there was nothing on it, so. Weird. Yeah, it's a weird year, man, but that's We're cool. We're all superheroes. We've all been bled dry, I guess. No, just you. Just you. Yeah, just you. I'm trying to think if I've done anything of note in the last couple of days. I've been playing The Last of Us. Well, Xbox. PlayStation, yes. Uh, got my Xbox. Talked about those. Um, the only Xbox game I've played is the new Tetris game, which is kind of an old Tetris game that came out a couple years ago oh. that I played on PS4, but you know, I love my Tetris. My friend was saying this too. My One of my friends that got an Xbox, he's like, he got it like launch day, and he's like, dude, new Tetris is sick. And my other That's friends great. were like, bro, it's Tetris. But it's it's not, it's kind of, but it's not like, you know, if you're a Tetris head like me, you know, it's different. Like, there's, you know the, the Drake meme where he's like putting his hand away and he's like, yeah, like that, like there's the two pictures of like one that he yes. likes and one that he doesn't like. Yes. Uh, the one that he doesn't like is just like new Assassin's Creed, all these other games, and then like the one he likes is like Tetris on the new Xbox. Like, yeah. Because <laughs> like, it's for a very specific, like I bought this game, I think for 40 bucks when it came out like three years ago for the PS4. They added like maybe online multiplayer to this. I haven't played that yet. It's a very good version of Tetris. Like, that's all I'm going to say. Like, it's Tetris. At the end of the day, it's Tetris. But like, yeah. there was this game on PS, like the Vita and maybe the PSP called Luminous, L-U-M-I-N-E-S, where they also put it on Xbox 360, where it's kind of Tetris-y, but like, there are blocks and it's kind of syncopated to music and it's cool and whatever, and like, it okay. clears in a different way. And that was a, a ton of fun. And like, this is kind of, it's mostly Tetris, but it's a little bit of Luminous, and the different levels have themes and different music and just overall a great experience. Plus, it's Dude, Game Pass, so it's free, so... Tetris is where I've been at. So I've been playing The Last of Us, which unless something goes horribly wrong, I'm going to finish it this weekend, which I'm very excited about. So I've been playing The Last of Us and I've been playing Tetris, but that's all I've been up to. Because again, it's only been like two nights since we recorded last time, and last night was all Spider-Man 3 for Friday's episode, and Hobbs and Shaw uh, deleted scenes, which we'll talk about in this episode. So I don't think anything else of note to report. One other thing that I got that I'm really excited about, like a new kitchen toy is that I, I know that I've mentioned this before but like I bitched about like the ice machine in my fridge sure you know like and I've been saying mm-hmm. how it's like such a pain in the dick and like it only makes ice when it wants usually um Rachel's mom likes mixed drinks right like okay. you know we drink beer but we drink mixed I'm a boozer so I'll drink anything but like when she's here she wants mixed drinks and I was like thinking like oh man it's gonna be Thanksgiving she's gonna want mixed drinks like we're gonna have to go buy ice whatever whatever but we were at um BJ's which is like Costco and they had a tabletop ice machine what do you do like plug it in and you pour water in and it just makes ice yes and it cranks ice dude so i bought one of these and so i'm like oh all excited that that i can use this it's actually a great thing to have like for parties and stuff too sure not that we're having parties right now but like eventually it's like one of those things like you know as an adult having a house i'm like eventually one day like this will be a good thing to have like it'll live in the basement forever and then come up like for a holiday twice a year exactly twice a year three times a year and you're like yeah that was great to have, like, in this moment. That's it. So I didn't have to buy a bag of ice. <laughs> yeah, I don't have an ice machine here. We didn't have one in Texas, so it's a combination. Like, what I've done is a combination of ice cube trays and then just buy a bag from 
you know, quick check or whatever every yeah. once in a while. And I'm like, I just want like a tub of ice. That's what my dad does too. Yeah. Like he has like six or seven ice cube trays that he just like constantly empties into a bin. Speaking of ice trays, that's not a transition at all. We have a Patreon page <laughs> in the show, too fast, too forever.com. Shout out to Cassie Wilson, Jake Freer, Ben Milliman, Nick Burris, Alex Ellen, and Justin Kleinman, Brian Rodriguez of High School Slumber Party, Ooh. Haley Gerbys, Wes Hampton, Christian Larson, Jerry Robinson, Dan the Duke, Hayden, Renato DiDonato, and Jessica Collins, a.k.a. Montez. Ooh, that was the first time I ever did that in one breath, I think. I did not take a breath. That was uh, You're new training. ground for me. I'm Please oh. do not support us on Patreon, because I can't do any more. But if you want to, too fast, too forever.com, early access to episodes, bonus content, Fast and Furious Minute document, all sorts of stuff at too fast, too forever.com. Also, email address, family at cageclub.me. Mm-hmm. And Joe, we have... Kind of three, but really two emails. Kind of three, but really two. Okay. Because the first email we got from Justin Kleiman was, do not read until episode 150. So I have not and will not read that for a couple more episodes. That was the first. That's not really an email. Yeah, it's just like, hold, hold. Yes, exactly. Perfect. Break in case of fire, you know. Yes, exactly. The next email that we got is from Jerry Robinson, subject line, welcome home. Okay. Hey guys, so I'm back home in Daly City from my week-long trip to Tennessee with Ileana and her brother Adrian. It was amazing and short since time went super fast. Mm-hmm. We had a bunch of homemade soul food cooked by your aunt, and no, Ooh. we didn't go to eat the place you recommended, Joe, too, but we did go to Ruby Falls in Chattanooga. I don't know what that is. Let's Ruby look it up. Falls. Ruby Falls, Chattanooga. It is a series of underground cascading waterfalls totaling 145 feet in Lookout oh. Mountain near Chattanooga, Tennessee. Very cool. Dude, this is gorgeous. And he includes some pictures. I would assume that this is what they are. Give me one second to put them in the chat. We stayed in the Airbnb in Clarksville, 30 minutes from Nashville. Chattanooga <laughs> was a three-hour drive. Saw the outlet malls in Nashville. Not much deals on like last time. Overall, good time. And despite the global bastard, we made the most of it. Oh yeah, we also did some hunting. They used a 12-gauge, 22-caliber shotgun Ooh. and killed a huge raccoon now to quarantine guys be fast never last so he has a picture of the raccoon r.i.p <laughs> and then him in the falls group photo with masks and then him and iliana just posing big old smile in front of this waterfall so very very cool that's really cool i want to i want to check out these falls i like things like this i remember um i probably mentioned it but when rachel and i went to arizona and the grand canyon we we drove north and went to antelope canyon and I thought that was, like, one of the coolest places we've ever been to. So I'm, like, super amped on uh, these kind of natural wonder-type places, mm, you know? Sure, yep. Mm-hmm. This is beautiful. I can add this to the the list next time I go to Tennessee, go to Nashville, or go to... Um, Chattanooga. Chattanooga, the Bourbon Trail, I've been wanting to do, right? So There are a couple states in this country that are, like, wildly beautiful. When I was in, like, Carlsbad Caverns, like, is just one of the most amazing places I've Where's ever been. At? That's in New Mexico. Okay. It's in, like, I want to say southeastern New Mexico, like, relatively close to Texas. I think it's, in, it's mm. somewhere in New Mexico, I know that. Arizona overall is beautiful, and then, yeah. like, Montana, like, Glacier National Park is just staggering. Like, Glacier Montana's straddles the American-Canadian border. Just, the park is beautiful, and there's, like, this trail that I took, like, an easy trail, and then you just take a left on this path, and then it just opens up into, like, this lake in front of a mountain. It's just like, oh, my God. Like, just what? Like, yep. okay, yeah. But, yeah, it's uh, like... Montana and Arizona are just uh, cr- crazy beautiful. Montana's super slept on, dude. I loved it there when I was there. Well, shout out to Tobin Addington. The Addington family raised right. and Eisen as well. Born and raised there. Tobin lives there still, which is why I shouted I him forgot. out. Eisen over in Oregon. Gross, ugly Oregon, which is also beautiful, <laughs> by the way. But... uh <laughs> 
Yeah, Montana, Missoula, all of it. Just Glacier, everything about Montana. Big Sky State, they call it. Big Sky State, yep. Well, Jerry, thank you for writing in. Glad you had a successful trip. Seems like everything is great. Yeah, dude, that's super cool. In our second, third, whatever you want to call it, final email of the day from Wells Lamont. Subject line, Furious 7. I must have lost my six notes, so I have to skip it. Well, you know. (laughs) Fair. Sean, what are you going to do when you catch the guy that killed Han? Dom. Words haven't even been invented yet. Then he puts in stars. Dom writing in his revenge journal about what he's going to do when he catches the guy who killed Han. Which I think is pretty funny. I'm going to scrupulate Deckard Shaw and defossipate him. And then after that, I will von Frischerize him into Gorblivion. Ha ha ha. Again, my bad for this. this. That's funny. And it was funny when we were talking to um, Nico and Kebo about it. And they're just like what does that mean? And like the writers just check out. They're like, Oh, what can we say? What can we say? We're like, the words, the words haven't ain't been even been yet. invented yet. <laughs> You're like, okay. Scrupulate, defossipate, vortfurcherize, gorblivion. You guys started to dislike Roman a little bit in seven because he was clowning too much, but his leadership speech and the face he gives the army guy standing next to him always has me dying. I guess I'm goofy enough to appreciate his ridiculous and immature antics. I like him. I, Roman's one of my favorite characters. But, like, there was a point in 8 when we were watching it last time that I was just like, buddy, come on, man. Like, just yeah. just yeah. a little, just a little. Like, I'm not, like, as anti-it as you, but, like, I was just like, just tone it down just to, just a yeah, I think on, on the, I think it was on 7 where you were like, I'm not, and I was like, finally. But, like, 7, I'm not, 8 is the one where I have a problem with him. 7, I'm not, I don't have a huge problem. It's just beginning that transition. But I still like, like, 7 is, like, before he goes over the line. Like, you can see him heading that direction. 8 yeah. is where, like, oh, boy, like, Rome, Romey, Rome. Like, pump the brakes yeah, a little bit. Wow, I totally forgot Brian literally speaks to the audience as he flies the car out of the plane. Didn't think it could get any crazier, huh? Jay Lynn is a master director. <laughs> he breaks the fourth wall. I think that he's supposed to be, like, he is talking, like, on the, like, walkie-talkies. But, yeah, it does feel like he breaks the fourth wall and just stares right into your into your soul. So happy for Brian when he hits the bad guy with a too slow as he falls down the elevator shaft and dies. The perfect payback and great wrap-up of that crazy-ass bus scene earlier in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. which you had admitted was like, it took you seven times watching it to finally be like, oh yeah, I finally saw that scene. Yeah, I did. I just don't remember that in the warehouse fight ever. Like now Too I Too slow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I never remembered it until there. I was like, oh yeah, this did exist. That's oh, right. Yeah. Right after Hobbs tells Shaw, get to digging, boy, is when you want to turn the movie off to keep from crying and going into deep depression from the ending song and parting ways. Yep. Because it goes sad. They think Dom is dead, right? And Letty has to be like, no, yes. like we got married and I'm not ready to die yet. Dom and like, that's emotional. Yeah. And what is? And then Brian's yelling the nonsense. He's like, don't, don't die on me. Breathe. Just breathe. And then they go to the, like, you know, better get to digging, boy. And then uh, it's like, oh, okay. And then it's like, oh, God, here, we got to you know, say goodbye to Paul. <gasps> yeah. I think it'd be cool if they kept the same Fast family, but instead of Fast movies, they made all types of stuff. Westerns, love stories, sports movies, oh. coming of age tales. How funny would it be? team riding horses in the desert or forming a championship softball team in parentheses co-ed that'd be a real branch out <laughs> i want this so like american horror story style yeah so here's the would it be the same actors or the same characters because like that that's the same actors but different characters most i mean sometimes they cross over but like would it always be tyrese or would it always be tyrese as roman i don't think tyrese can exist without being roman yeah, I mean that's a bad example because you know that would like would like Michelle Rodriguez always be Letty. Well, she, that's also she a bad. Can't... They're all bad yeah. examples. I think they're all like exactly <laughs> their character, right? For better or worse. Mia might have a little bit more agency at one point. We haven't done the Mia lap yet. We'll do the Mia at some point. But no, I think that they all have to be. I can imagine Tej not being as techie. He's the main basketball star or like softball player right like yeah. i could see him in a sports one for sure. That yeah. he's like the the Jordan of the team. Well, no, I mean the, the Jordan of the team is. 
Bow Wow, because he's like Mike. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. But no, I fuck. This is a great thought. Wells really hit the nail. I like that one. To imagine them as like in Westerns. Yeah. That'll be really good. Yeah, That'll man. be really fun. Okay, bro, so I'll see you on the other side for eight, which I just purchased on eBay for $3. And it came today Ooh. as I finished seven perfect timing. I guess Rasputin, you know, it's better COVID. to not go to in person when it's uh, COVID yeah. out there. But yeah, deals all day on eBay. Deals all day on eBay. And that's all the emails for today. Family at cageclub.me. If you want to write in, thank you to Justin, even though we don't know what you said. Thank you to Jerry. Thank you to Wells for writing in. Yes. Family at cageclub.me. Joe, on the streets, any Fast and Furious news? Because I got nothing. Nothing I got remotely nothing. adjacent. Nope, not even not even close. Well, then let us tarry no further, because we're talking about the Hobbs and Shaw deleted scenes, and we it's knew there lot. were 35 minutes, but we were like, I don't know if it's going to be like extended, if it's going to be like a four-minute scene that's now a five-minute scene. We have like one minute of news. There's, like, there's some of those. There's some of that, but it's a lot of new stuff. Like, I, I was trying to do a little bit of mental math, and I feel like of these 35 minutes... There's probably 20 to 25 of completely new footage, I think. Uh, yeah, I was going to say closer to 15, because there's like a couple scenes that like overlap a lot. But but it's yeah, a sizable amount, yeah. 20 feels right. It's it's more than 50%, like for being extended scenes. So first, though, let us talk about something I did not know existed, which Same. is the alternate opening, which is a 10 minute and 14 second, maybe a tiny bit of new footage, but is mostly just kind of restructuring this. And my overall thought of this, because this starts with Hobbs and Shaw bickering, in, in the, the in the thing, yes. Where they have, where they're basically interrogating Hattie, where Brixton, you know, breaks into to get Hattie out. But like they're the just trailer. bickering about why they hate each other. And yeah. then it says, one day earlier, and then it just kind of restructures the first 10 minutes of the movie. My big issue with this is that it severely undercuts, I think, how important Hattie is. That's very true. I thought that it was just kind of confusing they jump you in the middle which is fine we talk about things like that that that's like a trope that like just tell the fucking movie but then it goes one day earlier but at the same time it's not actually one day earlier because these two other things aren't running concurrently like hattie can't be getting the virus while they're trying to find out who has the virus it went like hattie got the virus then they try to find out this version of the intro muddies the water in that way a little bit but also kind of clears things up because i think what this movie does effectively or does differently they are interrogating about etion like shaw literally says etion way earlier i asked that to rachel when i was watching i was like does he say the word etion like 30 seconds into the movie you know what i mean not 30 seconds no i like, don't think he says that until like i think you know brixton shows up we don't even know but like i don't think they know like till maybe like 30 minutes in or when like when we're yes. at etion headquarters i think like it's, exactly it's, it's deep in the movie that's what i thought too okay cool i'm glad that I'm, we're on the same page yes cool it seems like what this is is that it's all happening at the same time that etion is looking for this virus and so these missions that we see where Hobbs goes to that you know club or whatever where they have a tattoo parlor and Shaw goes to the club where he dangles the guy out the window it feels like that is in response to Hattie but you're right because it feels like the Hattie stuff is taking place at the same time but chronologically that should have come first which you can kind of you know brush away but it's also it's kind of confusing but like the way the regular movie plays it out Hattie does her thing but then it's it's kind of I think the regular movie there was a little unclear of like what they're going to and because it almost feels like these are separate missions just showing them you know what they're doing that's when they get the call that's when Locke shows up and the Rob Delaney character shows up and like 
we need help with this thing. This version makes those missions part of the overall movie. Yes. But yes. like undercuts Hattie and puts it in a weird way. Whereas the movie is just like, I don't know why we're seeing this other than just like, this is Showing what they do. Them, which I don't think you need. They don't need a, a, we have these characters that are established. So I don't think that you need them to be doing this for this specific mission for it to work. That's why I like the real version that they went with, because I don't think that it really makes that much of a difference. No, and I think the real version by starting with Hattie and just different, I mean, a lot of the deleted scenes we've covered have either been like fully finished, like the Too Fast, Too Furious ones were like fully finished, just taken out of the movie. Other stuff yeah. was like kind of temp score. Like I think the Fast and Furious 4 ones were like, this isn't what it was supposed to be or whatever. These feel pretty finished. Although there's one deleted scene we'll talk about where you see bricks and then a wire that they didn't CGI out. And there's different exactly. music. Yep. And so like, yep. I don't know if the music was final or if they were going to do different things or whatever, but like the music to all this feels more muted than like the Time in a Bottle song, which I think is a cool way to intro. Overall, just not having Hattie be at the, the start star. of the movie because like yeah. fans come to this knowing Hobbs and Shaw, but they're like, oh, who's Hattie? Like, who is this? Like, this is, she's the main, like, I don't know who this is, but like the movie is telling us she's important by starting with her and yep. then she injects herself or whatever. But what I do like about the Hattie thing here is we get her running away, which I don't think we have in the real movie. And also just running across that bridge feels very Tom Cruise-ish in a Mission mm. Impossible movie. And I'm just like, oh, my girl being like my guy, right? Like, it's just it's yep. that kind of thing. But overall, not bad, just not as good. And the in the score, you mentioned it, the soundtrack that they used for this felt way too James Bondy for me. And okay. I, I think it's just temp music. Like you said, like this is just hold music. Okay, we want something here, but like we don't, we're not set on this yet. It very much sounded like a new age James Bond wanted. You know, like the keyboard type sure. situation. Yep. And I was like, ah, that doesn't fit. It feels way too James Bond for me, and that's not what this movie is. Because you know, we were just talking. Well, you'll hear we talked to Nico and Kevo, and it's to me, it's way more of a buddy cop kind of movie than a James Bond movie. So, right, which especially because like the the James Bond element is the Hattie stuff, and because this undercuts the Hattie stuff, yeah. it's like it's making it less James Bond, but that's more. I don't know. I don't know. Finally, you know what we did this time? We've said this a million times. We've referenced it. You see The Rock, and he says, "I'm an ice cold can of whoop ass." Right? Yep. Shaw says. I'm what you'd call a champagne problem. Did you know that this is like a real saying? Am I the only one that didn't know that? No, I mean, I had not heard it, but like, it felt like, it, it, to me, I was like, oh, this must just be a thing that I don't know about. But I still, I, I didn't know. Okay, do you know what it is now? He maybe missed it. I don't know. What is it? It's when you have two choices, but both choices are good. Kind of like what we would say, like a first world problem. No, not oh. really. I, both outcomes are good. And you just have to pick the better one that you want. How does that apply to him? I don't. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. But like we looked, because I was like, "Is this a real saying?" And so like Rachel and I looked it up, and that's what the definition of it is. Okay, because I thought they maybe explained because there's other lines like, you know, you're gonna tell me not because I'm the guy holding you at the window. You're gonna tell me because I'm the guy willing to drop you. And like there's lines like that that are extended. Yes. I thought maybe he explained it more, but no, I don't know. That's eh, it's weird. Wish we had Andy on speed dial because we could ask him our resident British colloquialism expert, that if this is like a more common phrase that we just don't hear here and it would play better in an international sure. market. But like, it's something that like, it's a phrase that I never heard before. Okay. Yeah, no, neither did I. He delivers it like it's something that existed. Like I didn't make this up, but also I'm like, I don't know what that means. So 
Yes, there you go. And if you didn't know either, and I mean, like, listeners, if you didn't know either, then now you know. Now you know. Maybe. 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 I don't know. Okay, so that was the 10-minute scene. That was not part of the 35 minutes. So there's essentially 45 minutes of stuff. So the, yes. There are probably 20 different scenes. I don't have an exact count, but there's a lot. So the first one, Brixton opens case and grenade explodes. And yes. my first reaction to this is, oh, that's awesome. Like, I, I just loved, because, like, in the movie... I, I couldn't distinguish what was different about this, because he winds up behind the truck in the movie, but I yeah. didn't know what the diff... Like, I don't remember the explosion, but I don't know... It's just the explosion. So in the movie... She injects herself and then runs away. And he goes yes. back and lifts the case up and just says viral sample dispensed or whatever. Yes. But in this one, it's the same thing, but she left a grenade in there that was being held down by the top of the lid so that when he lifted the lid, the thing exploded, thinking she was going to kill him. He's, that's when he says, really? And then I, it's, he says it in a way that almost sounds like Hattie. And I had put on subtitles for this because I, does he know her? Like, there's no reason that he would no. know her. But exactly. he says really in a way, Idris, Brixton, whatever you want to call him, says really in a way that sounds like Hattie. And I was like, does he? And no, just really. But then uh, he gets blown up. He gets yeah. blown back, at least, because he doesn't take damage. And he just says, nice, nice. Yeah, it just, it's the same thing, but she left a grenade as a gift for him to buy herself more time or maybe to kill the guy or whatever. But minor thing, but I was just like, that's a very cool, smart, you know, Hattie is a badass. It is, and I do like that part of it. The the ingenuity to show her doing something very clever like that is cool. Yep. Why they cut this one, it didn't really make a difference to me. I don't get it. I guess because it kind of sells. I mean, but you already have, like, I was thinking that they probably cut it because it sells Brixton being invincible too early. But, like, he stops a bullet with his hand right before that, so... Yeah, I don't know. I think it's also the micro-editing of, like, if we can save 12 seconds here, we're going to save 12 seconds here. Like, we okay. don't... Because we later... In, I don't know. I don't know, because, like, again, long movie could have been long... I don't know. But I think that's maybe it. Who knows? You don't need it, but it's also cool. There's some of these scenes that we'll get to that are like, I'm like, oh, I see why they cut this. And then there's some that I'm like, oh, I see why they trimmed time here. This one specifically, I'm like, why not leave in an extra explosion? Like, what's that hurt, you know? Okay, so I just counted. There's 22 scenes that span 35 minutes. And 12 of those 22 are extended scenes. So, like, when I was looking at the list, I was like, oh, this is kind of like... I was hoping, I think, for more just fully deleted scenes than the extended ones. But I feel like... The extended ones were almost where we got better stuff on average. And we'll go through. But the first one, the reason I bring that now is the first extended scene is extended Hobbs and Sam in the Pancake House. And first takeaway here, not a relative, but... Hobbs mentions, because he's looking at her family tree, and says, you know, Aunt Lisa could be here. She's like, Dad has to be a family member. Like, she has to be related. And Aunt Lisa's not related. But I'm like, who's Aunt Lisa? I think that that's the woman we see later that's kind of like her babysitter. Remember? Because he calls. Oh, maybe. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think that they're just saying, like, this is their, his friend that sometimes takes care of her that he call that she calls Aunt Lisa. Gotcha. Because I think he even mentions it in the non- extended version he like says something about aunt lisa we kind of know it's like inferred that she's not his her real aunt you know right. and this yeah. kind of just clears that up but then we have hobbs with the ultimate like oh, mixed God. metaphor of like trying to explain why they don't go back to samoa where it's like you know strong winds blow and branches fall off and you gotta get back on that horse and just drive off and rebuild that house and sam's like Dad, what the hell are you, like, what are you talking about? And he just, like, doesn't know what to say, which I think is, is funny and cute, but, like, not needed, but just a, a nice character moment. Yes, and I, I would like to, I'm not as deep into Samoan culture or not to know if that's supposed to be a specific Samoan joke. I think just... it's just he's unsure of what to say. Like, he doesn't, 
I don't okay. think he wants to explain to his daughter that, like, hey, my dad ran a gang, yes. and, like, I put my dad in prison, and I'm here because my family excommunicated me. No, that part I definitely get, but, I mean, like, you know how every language and culture has their own, like, things. I wonder, know if he's actually using Samoan like idioms mm, maybe and he's combining all of them or if it's it's you know what i mean this is what i would like i need the i would like a nice deep dive into the referencing of that i would guess not but also maybe i think it's just supposed to be like just all like Word you know, vomit pick yourself up by the bootstraps and dust yourself off and just like yes things to like move on or whatever like you know metaphors about moving on or whatever exactly okay but we get more importantly a very important line from sam St. Hobbs, mm. I just worry about you. You won't talk about your family, and mom's been gone for a long time. I mm-hmm. don't want you to be alone. I was like, oh, like beautiful sentiment, but also talking about mom there. You know, she could be mom, they could not be married, but we don't, like, that's the first, I think, reference to, like, mom being ever in the picture. Her saying that she doesn't want him to be alone doesn't imply that they weren't together. Right. And then Hobbs compliments her beautiful hair, which is, you know, that nice. hair is on point, which is very nice. Very, very cute. Very sweet. What I thought was a reference to a different thing, but it's not. It's just a, a reference to a joke about a thing. But, you know, that's when the, they get interrupted by the food. All the food comes. And she says, cheat day, cheat day. And then in the movie, they move on. But Hobbs says, you ain't cheating if you ain't eating. And yes. There, there's a joke on Comedy Bang Bang where I think it's Scott Aukerman's like impression of Bill Clinton is him just saying "eating ain't cheating," which I was like, did he ever actually say that? And I don't think he ever did. <laughs> but like, I thought I was like, is this a is this a joke about Bill Clinton? It's not. But I was just like, oh, that's weird. You know, obviously we know that in real life the Rock loves his cheat days, and that's what they're yes. kind of referencing yeah. here. But you ain't cheating if you ain't eating. I was like, is this sexual? No, it's not. I'm just my my Comedy Bang Bang brain just went there. Yeah, no, that's that's a good connection i like it How weird that you got from there to bill clinton eating ain't cheating <laughs> any other thoughts about this before a very very brief extended scene in the same restaurant she says something to him and he's like i'm enough of a family for both of us or something and she's like yeah you're a whole lot and it's just like <laughs> another shot at the rock being monstrous yeah and i thought that was pretty fun it gave me a little chuckle so yeah the next one is in the same scene as the extended pancake house with Locke, and it's just him saying you must be wondering why i called me here she uh sam's just like that doesn't make it's- sense yeah it's just that part right rachel was like oh it's the necklace part and i was like no he has the necklace in the movie so it's yeah. just him saying you must why, why why i called me here it's just it's a funny <laughs> yeah. little throwaway line but just you know hobbs doesn't care and sam's like like what are you talking about like you're just you make no sense that's what i thought okay then we have extended hobbs and shaw face off and this is kind of a throwback to the alternate intro sort of because mm-hmm. we have those two guys the techs in the other room they're like what happened because the big guy started giving the little guy, or the British guy, orders. The British guy started saying things, which I thought was just a very, like, then he opened his mouth and just made the other guy angry, which I think is a very perfect summation of their relationship. This is, like, one of those ones that I was like, oh, I see why they cut this for time. Like, yep. those characters don't need lines, right? Like, that made sense. And I was like, oh, this is cool. I'm, they, I'm glad they added it. Like, you know, you can watch it, but at the same time, this one was like, okay, I get it. And they might have this in the finished movie. I don't think so, because I think it's new. Because, like, I, I've seen this movie now six times in the last, like, year. Like, it's been, you know, a year and a half or yeah, like I've seen this more often than anything else so I think I think I have a pretty good sense of what's in and what's not but I don't think this made the cut but Shaw says it's your face your big stupid face looking at it makes me feel like God is projectile vomiting right into my eyes which is just such a weird specific insult that I love that I don't yeah. think made the final movie but it feels familiar maybe it was like in the 
the trailer, but maybe not it's in the movie. movie. I don't know, but maybe I just didn't hear it before. But man, it's it's a good line. Yeah, it is. It is. I like it. Any other thoughts about that one or no? That's another relatively short one. No, that's a relatively short one. They only add a little bit. Most of it's replaying the you're like you're an asshole scene. So yep. so then we have extended Shaw tracks Hattie, and this is when she is going to the hotel to get changed before Hobbs confronts her and you know yes. arrests her. And this is when he's going to her house. Is that her house? I was I was I was thinking about this when I was watching it this time. We see his house in the beginning and although it's kind of similar it's definitely not his house right it's no hers. i think it's her house i think it's just upscale british living yeah like they both live in like super modern yeah. style but yes that okay that makes sense and because he also is like he seems like he's trying to figure out where stuff is right but he also kind of intuitively knows so i think that that's just saying that like he's still her sister his her brother yep and, like, he would do the same type of things, right? Yep. So, exactly. Yeah. So, in the in-vehicle display, I don't know if you noticed this, but before yes. he changed the camera, yep. he, the thing on the screen says variable drift control, and I was like, ooh. And there's <laughs> also track it. telemetry, which I think is spelled wrong, or maybe just a British variant, and garage door opener. And he's just using it to spy on the guys who are, like, watching her house. I definitely noticed the variable drift control, because I wrote that down, too. And then there's a scene that's kind of, or a moment that's kind of reminiscent of both a deleted scene in Fast Five, and I think there's another, maybe, deleted yep scene or something but yep. it's a confrontation with a car you think that Shaw almost gets run over it's like which feels out of character for him and the taxi cab just like the cabbie like it gets yep. furious at him but he like sticky bombs essentially the taxi mm-hmm. that like crashes into the guy's van so they get distracted and they run out and then he's able to sneak in which I thought was very smart and uh, very Shaw but like at the beginning I'm like there's no way that he almost got run over but we saw Same. you know Hobbs like slap that ass basically to like get the car to drive faster in Rio and I was like oh that's you know a throwback there I, I thought so too and it's funny that both of these scenes were cut like, yeah. it's essentially like the same type of play with both of them doing it they both get cut so, it's like yeah. we, don't, we, we don't need to show character versus car because they're supposed to be on the same team <laughs> Exactly, yeah. My only other note about this, I thought it was kind of cute that Hattie sort of stumbles in heels because it's like she is, she's not comfortable being dressy. She's just more like practical and tactical and whatever, but she, you know, dresses in that red dress with the brown wig or whatever and stumbles going out and I thought that was like oh okay yeah pretty cool very nice a Letty right like we see yeah the next scene speaking of Hattie oh, Hobbs god. gets handsy oh, god. with Hattie this is so I'm so happy that they cut this they should have left it off the deleted scenes too so this is the fight between Hobbs and Hattie and he Which tears very her dress slow motion. sleeve off yep they, they knew pretty much immediately that this scene should get cut so he like rips her sleeve dress her dress sleeve off and she like spins away and then he's like basically like oh i'm so sorry and he puts his hands up to apologize and she spins right back into him so that his hands are just right over her breasts and he says he boob honks her and this is a quote i'm so sorry i didn't mean to touch your boobs so if you ever wanted to hear the rock say i didn't want to touch your boobs yeah check out the deleted scenes and then she kicks a pink can into him and the fight continues and the scene ends but okay because i saw the title and i was like please no please please no <laughs> i know i did the same exact thing and and what happened was somehow worse who ever thought that this was an okay idea because like the crazy thing to me and i would assume that this is true of the scene too is that like whenever there's a movie with a sex scene which by and large are not in i mean the first one where you know mia wakes up sort of topless in bed or whatever but not a sex scene but not really but like whenever there's scenes that are like that the production hires somebody called an intimacy coordinator and they are on there to talk to every actor in the scene and be like 
what are you comfortable with? What are you not comfortable with? And they like right. kind of act yes. as a negotiator between like, she doesn't want you to touch here. So why don't you touch here? He doesn't want you to touch here. So why don't you do this or whatever? And like, there's yep. making sure that like in a sex scene where there needs to be, you know, it's everybody needs foreign. to be trusting, everybody feels okay. Right. I would imagine they had to have someone here. Like, how do we have him cup her boobs in a way that is respectful and okay, but it's just like, what? Never. What? What? Don't do that. It's never respectful and okay. I mean, it's a comic element, but it's just, it's a weird thing. Yeah, it's fart jokes, essentially. Like, don't do this. It's, yeah. The next scene is similar, kind of, and I was wondering if this was uh, going to be that same fight scene. Like, I wonder if it was a metaphor or not, and it's not. Extended Hobbs and Hattie Tango. This is the CIA black site. When he makes the Tango reference, which I'm not thrilled about in the film itself to begin with. But this version, I liked so much more because they had like, really? it's wild. Yeah, because he plays the actual music. Because, like, in the yes. movies, like, we're talking about Tango. Like, you don't hear anything. It's just like he's it takes just two referencing to tango. tango. But yeah. in this, he's got, like, an iPod or something, and he plays a Tango song. It feels very romantic thanks to that and he gives her tea and she drinks the tea she's like oh shockingly civilized and they're like they're staring lovingly like and it's kind of maybe speeding (laughs) that relationship up but like it's like oh no they're both into each other because they're both beautiful and how would you not be but then as soon as she puts the cup down he's like okay cool test that for ballistics which is very like he's still by the book but like i was like oh no i love this i love this version because it's like romantic in a way that the movie kind of speeds through you read it as very romantic i read it as very comical because there's like a lot of long slurping and i read it as like two children having like a staring contest oh i i wrote down i thought it was cute and funny that she's trying to drink her entire cup of hot tea and like in one big sip but like she's not and yeah i still loved it i still loved it. i think this is this is one of my favorite scenes i got cut just because there's there's more emotion here than just like, hey, you're not playing like you, I, we gotta, you gotta play ball with me, otherwise you're gonna be in trouble. Like this just feels. I think that the tango music plays really well. I think that that was the my favorite part of this one for me. Without the tango music, the tango metaphor works a lot less. Yeah, 100%. And so I'm like, oh, they cut that, and I, I don't know why because it works well. So like seeing it with it, I'm like. Yeah, why don't you still do that? So don't know. I think maybe because like the music, when you're editing it, the music would have been chopped. But like they're not in when they're filming it, they're not listening to the music in the moment. That's all added in post. So yeah, you can so lay it in. I, I don't know. It. I don't know. I was trying to give them an out, but I don't think I can. No, it's just a. I think it was a bad decision. Like you can cut. Like I don't mind if you cut the like drink off. Like that's fine. But I think having the music there. Yep. But who knows? I don't know. Next scene, extended car chase dialogue. This is when they're three wide in the McLaren, and this is just kind of like more Hobbs saying you should be grateful and Shaw being like, stop it, basically. Yeah, and you get uh, Hattie being like, I don't want a big brother lecture. They're just kind of grumbling back and forth. I think that the scene overall, like, and we get the chase with it too. I think the scene overall kind of plays better with them not talking or talking less. Like, at a certain point in the movie, it's like, how many times can they argue? Like, we get it. Like, yeah, they hate each exactly. other. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Perfect. Yep. And there's, like, you know, there's fun lines, sort of, but not really. Like, nothing that sticks out, nothing that's super memorable. So it's like, yeah, okay, cool. Good. Yep. This one is another one of my favorites, Passport Check Alternate. So this is when they're, he takes the photos of them, like, before they go, the Mike Oxmall thing, and mm-hmm. they have some, like, Superlative text on what screen I and everything, yeah, and they're prepping in the underground lair, and Michael Oxmall, gym teacher, philatelist, and he's like, what is that? And Statham goes, stamp collector. Like, it's like, he's some, like, yes. uncultured swine for not knowing the fancy word for stamp collecting. I really like the idea that they put it up as kind of like the Mick Jagger, right? But yeah. like, like, I like that, and I think that you can tastefully do that a couple times in a movie, and it would play well here, but... I think that why they took it away is because when you see the name written, you you get the joke, the punch.
punchline before it happens, right? Yeah, because they save it because they say Michael Oxwall, and it's just like, you don't, yes. you don't hear it there. And then when they get to the TSA or whatever, it's, if you could say your name back to me, please, if you just say Mike Oxmall, he just like says it like very slightly, just like Mike Ox, and then it kind of slurs like Mall. Yeah, then, yeah. You know, he gets taken away. But it's it's funny. Uh, I liked it, but, you, you know. It hits better with a one-punch joke, just like yep. boom, boom. But I like that there were more backstories that, like, Stephen had, like, created, like, three-dimensional characters for these. <laughs> yes. That, like, you know, The Rock is not just a guy who says, my cock small, but it's also, like, he's a gym teacher and a stamp collector, just like this dork, like, you know, unsuccessful, you know what I mean? So I agree, too. The stamp collector part, I, I really liked, and I was like, damn, I wish I would have kept that in. Because he even does the, like, I'm, you know, I'm a ski instructor and, like, a whatever. Yep. Like, yep. they do that part, so. This next one is one that, even if we never, if we were guessing what would be extended or deleted or alternate like this is the yes. this is a first round draft pick like this is like there's no way they have that kevin hart scene and you don't have like 20 minutes of it it's extended dinkley on the plane yes. and one of my favorite things off the bat is just him spelling his name d-i-n-k-l-e just like yeah, like, yeah. you heard me right i'm dinkley <laughs> yeah because they do like the that's a weird name type situation like right off the jump and he's like yes that's what it is and what i also thought was cool like this i mean it, this is this is probably like four or five minutes of the 35 and i'm imagining there's probably that they probably shot this for like 20 minutes or half an hour just like just yeah just riff just do whatever you want to do but what i thought was really cool like a cut is they both flag him they're like how did you know I was an air marshal and they're like oh look you know single riding alone aisle aisle seat whatever blah 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 but then yeah. he turns it on them he's like thick neck head's been on a swivel since we got on the plane you're a no, long that man part's in it. the Mr. Armani pants yeah yeah, yeah are yeah. you sure yep 100% because he says what do you do like into hot yoga Pilates or something I remember that from the movie no no, no that, sure. that part is I don't think it's I don't think it's this maybe they cut like little tiny things that he says I don't remember Mr. Armani pants maybe it is but I remember the clanging and banging and like talking about how much the rock lifts and stuff like and the hot the Pilates and the hot yoga and stuff I don't think the Mr. Armani maybe it is but if anything else it's extended there in a way that just shows it gives Dinkley more credence like it shows that he's better at his job I think in this extended version yeah they they take very like they left a lot of stuff in they just they they actually edited this one really well that it comes down that they just took like all the best pieces and left them in they did cut out an entire thing about his uh his JSOC friends or whatever like all of the other what do they call oh the, the wolf pack or the warriors or whatever the warlocks, the warriors the warlocks about the sandwich and it's like then he <laughs> eats the sandwich like it's just like you know if that <laughs> guy so gets a sandwich and like like Adam you want the sandwich no I don't want the sandwich so he gives it to Paul and Paul doesn't want the sandwich because Paul's on a diet or whatever and so then Paul gives it like and then Dinkley eats a sandwich it's like what are you what is going on I don't know but they at the end of that part they're like they, they both say something and I think it was actually like a cue for them to let he they're like shut up like we did this bit enough like they both say like move on or something yeah they say move on or something and it sounded like The Rock and Jason Statham were both like <laughs> okay the end of that bit just stop can yeah. like do a different one and that's what cracked me up about it too they also cut a thing that i think is i don't want to say important but dinkley even in the movie is like i can get whatever you want like he's the one that gets mm-hmm. like the samoa whatever so like can you get this missile can you get that missile like, even easier whatever and at the end they're like they, they go through like six mm-hmm. or eight things they're like how about a c-17 viral extraction machine he's just like uh, mm, oh i gotta take a shit he's like we must have just cracked thirty thousand feet so, like that's his opt out but like for this man who can get anything, the one thing they need the most in the world, he can't get. So I think 
it's kind of important. Like, obviously, you cut it out because, like, it's a poop joke, but, like, it kind of makes sense for this guy who can, who says and seems to fulfill he can get anything. They don't need to go to Samoa if they have this machine, right? So... Are they on their way to Samoa here? No, but, like, eventually they're going to need to get to Samoa. Because what, what is what is the plane scene? Where does it take place in the movie? Is it when they're going to find the guy? Or did they already talk to the doctor about the viral extraction machine? I think they, they talk to the doctor and they're going to get the machine. Okay, so then it does play well. I thought that they cut it out because they're like, okay, we know that we're going to, like, we're going to go get it after. Or, like, they changed up a couple the way something played out it just didn't make sense but you're i think it happens that they like talk to the doctor they get on the plane to go get the machine and then they go to samoa because they, they need the terminology and so they have had already talked to yes. the doctor and he's like you gotta yes. go here they have the machine here so they go there and then they're like okay the machine's broken now oh my brother's the best mechanic in the world like he can go fix it yes. we have to get to samoa somehow then they call dinkley but yeah like i thought this was fun uh you know just kevin hart being kevin hart i love it because i do like i like kevin hart and i think that this would be really fun to be on set for just because like i would love to hear like i love the comedic outtakes i love the like will ferrell ones too so it's fun to see them like at their craft where they're just like trying to get people to laugh and break right so it's also just very funny that they didn't finish the sound mix here because like other than them talking there's no background noise like they didn't layer in plane sounds and so like they're all talking seemingly very loud on a otherwise silent plane about like how they're all secret agents and spies and like yeah viral extraction but that would have been if they left this in as it is they would have you know changed that a little bit but you know, yeah. they're not whispering. They're like shouting about how like she's infected by a virus and I'm a spy and he's a lawman <laughs> and you're a you're an air marshal, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Then we have a very, very short scene. Maximum weight these parachutes hold that just, you know, the rock weighs more than or Hobbs weighs more than the parachutes allow. But Jason Statham, good at maths. Do you think that the rock actually weighs 265? Yeah. I think that's low. He he's went so up to big. 285, I think, because he's he's talked about his weight because he got bigger for a thing. What was he getting bigger for? Maybe Black Adam? But he was 265, I think, and then he like put on like 20 more pounds of muscle. But, like 265 is in that ballpark. Okay. But he's so big. You know what I mean? Like that's oh, yeah. what I'm saying. Like he's just, he's such like a, like his frame is so big. Like I'm not judging him based on his weight, but just like he's so much muscle and he's so tall and like brawn. 265 even seems low for me. I'm like he gotta be like 285 no i think he's like no he's i mean he's 265 by choice right like he's just like he's not just eating sitting around eating donuts and drinking beer he's like i'm going to hit the gym until but he recently like in the last year i think we even talked about it on here very briefly like on a on the streets or whatever but he got up to 285 for some role like he got even bigger the next one dinkley in his office alternate so in the movie his alternate his office is just the bathroom which is funny but here he actually has an office which is like oh and he has a warlock sticker on the back there which i noticed Mm -hmm. which i thought was pretty cool and he's like you got a third squatty out here that can deliver and talking about you know clanging and banging 345 a.m leg day that was my favorite part that actually really got me to laugh he was like 345 a.m leg day you know we don't skip leg day and the rocks just like stop what i loved about this was that you know there he's on speakerphone there you know hobbs and shaw on the front talking to him it's just such nonsense that like they cut to hattie in the back she's just like smiling from the back seat just like basically just like boys like what do you like what these idiots like i'm about to die like these are the hopes to save the world like i know they're qualified but like what is even going on right now like just come on guys but like just also loving it which i think is pretty funny yeah kevin hart ends the scene he's like carol remember that big thing i told you i was working on well it just happened i quit so i don't know who carol is maybe his assistant or his boss or something but uh it maybe his like girlfriend or something it's it seemed like it's almost like but it's a real office like in a place 
place, but yeah. Then in that same scene for Hobbs and Shaw, it's a Samoa truck with radio, and this they're just battling, because on the uh, subtitles it says, Jovial instrumental music plays on radio. Mm. It just seems like some Samoan... Island music. Like, Samoan island music. Yeah. Like, you'd imagine, like, Hawaiian music, but Samoan music. And Shaw turns it off, and Hobbs turns it back on. We see Hattie again, maybe the same cut with her smiling. And then eventually Shaw pops the power button off so that he can't, you can't turn it on anymore. Yeah, exactly. He just rips it straight off the fucking dash. Like, and, and that's, again, you could definitely cut this. Yep. It was just, like, extra stuff on the route to the Hobbs house, right? So. Yeah, if you need to save 35 seconds, this one's it. This next one is another big one. It's extended Hobbs and Hattie talk family. Okay. And this, we get some of this in the movie, but we don't get all of this about, you know, my dad used to say cars were like the tide, flow in, flow that, out, nobody yes. owns anything. And yep, Hattie's yep. like, oh, your dad was a car thief. He's like, no, my dad stole everything. And then we get, you know, this is about the, the dad with the uh, the gang and everything. And whatever we don't that get we... that. We don't get the part that he turned the dad in in the movie, do we? I don't, mm, I don't think so, but I don't remember for sure. We get that there was, like, he left because the dad was running, like, a gang with his brothers. But we didn't, I don't think we get the part where he specifically says that he turned his dad in and put him in jail. And, and that's that he why feels his brothers re- he feels remorse about it, too. And Hattie says, or you protected your family and did the right thing. And he mm-hmm. says, I do it a thousand times. My old man crossed the line, you never cross. You know, but after I put him away, I left Samoa, never came back. And because of that, Jonah never forgave me. That should stay in. Like, that clears up a lot of shit that we had questions about. And also, I feel like the fact that this was cut out means to me that the dad is not the voice. Because if the dad was the voice and, like, this evil, right? Like, this guy who wants vengeance on his son, they would have left this in. I feel the other way around. That they cut it out because it's more likely that the dad is the voice because they're not trying to bring attention to it Mm, if that's not the direction they're going to go story-wise. Maybe. That's what I'm thinking. But then Hattie ends up by saying, one good thing came out of me jamming that thing into my hand. I got to bring you home, didn't I? And just like, yeah. Because there's also, there's another scene later what we'll get to where Hattie and Deckard talk to each other and like kind of rekindle. Like this is like, this thing brought families together, which is a theme throughout the movie, but these these sort of serve to underline that point a little bit more clearly. Yes, and this, but I think that that part gets cut out because it makes them too lovingly too soon. You Maybe. know what I mean? It's still like grave that like, you know, she might die because of the virus and stuff like that, but they're like too canoodly too quickly. Like, you need to get that scene where they're like drinking beers like We'll get to it. Yeah. The next scene is Jonah, let me be clear. They're talking about their dad's old rum runner, talking about how the whole village now runs on sugarcane. Yep. On ethanol. Jonah just says that uh, he's doing this to help Hattie and Shaw, but not Hobbs. And just like further, just like, you know, I'm helping you, but like, we're not good. Which again is cool that they, this is fine for me to cut because he's like, we know Jonah's pissed at him. We've said this 50 times so far. So like Jonah being like, I'm pissed at you doesn't help anything. So just, yep, we got it. Cool. Similarly, the next one, my land, my plan. This is again, you know, the ancestral history of Samoa or whatever. Shaw saying the island will provide. They're they're going back and forth and just saying, you know, there's one thing I want to get off my chest. And like, they're both saying like they have something to say. And they do one of those like no fucking way where they both say at the same time. Shaw says, stay away from my sister. And Hobbs says, you're still a real asshole. They're like, wait, what'd you say? And it's like a different thing. Like, they think that they're going to say the same thing, but no. Shaw says, you haven't been on this island in 20 years. I'm as Samoan as you are. And I was like, that's not even remotely close, but uh, (laughs) okay. And I also see why they cut this one, because it was, it's so reminiscent of the, like, he's an asshole at the same time. Yeah. They've done this joke before. And they, like, the third time I'd have been like, okay, come on, we're good. I do get like, I do like that they mix it up. And he's like, yeah, like, stay away from my sister. He's like, you still on the sister thing? And he's like you're an asshole, like, yeah, like, whatever. Yes, this is fine being cut for me, too. There is one good line that after he says, I'm as Simone as you are, Hobbs says, you 
you've got a lot of class and it's all low, which I thought was a pretty, pretty cool, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty nice line. <laughs> yeah, that is good. Uh, then we have extended Hobbs and Hattie at sunset, which is where Hattie is like kind of playing with her pin this necklace. This is great. This was probably my favorite one. This is a thing that I ask you about at the end of this episode. because I was like, is that something you're like, it just, you know, Decker gave it to her, but like we get the meaning behind that. Like she explains yes. the meaning yep. of the gift. Cause like, that's what I was asking. Like without knowing this was coming, I was like, we need to know like what this is. Cause like we know the meaning of the chain, right. Of the necklace of Dom's cross. But yes. here it's like, it's, cl- it's clearly so meaningful to her, but it feels like there's more to the story and that's what we get here. And that's exactly what we get. And why they cut this one doesn't make any sense to me. Like, this is great. And because we have the history of necklaces in this franchise. Yeah. And also, another thing that gets cut here is another thing that was that we loved from the first movie that got cut. We get one character doing an impression of another character. Do you remember in the first movie yeah. when Mia and Brian go out to the car and Mia and does an does impression Dom. of Dom, which is yeah. like, oh my god. And then here, both Hobbs and Hattie do an impression of Deck. So he gave me this as a reminder to put the pin back in. Take a beat, Hattie. Don't explode. <laughs> Take a beat, Hattie. Yeah, no, I could hear him saying that. <laughs> Hattie says it was a present from Deck. You know, believe it or not, he was always the cool-headed one. Mm-hmm. I would rush into things recklessly. He gave this to me as a reminder to put the pin back in. Um, and then she talks about how she wishes that Shaw, that she didn't rush to judgment, that she she shouldn't yes. have believed Brixton because like she should have just trusted her brother, that her brother couldn't have turned evil. But just it's the Shaw impressions by Hattie and Hobbs. I'm just like, this is it's so wonderful. It is. It is good. And I was I was really hung up on how awesome the necklace was. And like it makes so much more sense of like why they chose it, what it means, what the necklace is, all of these kinds of things. I'm like, OK, cool. Oof, much better. Like it yeah. calmed my brain. That's cool. Why did it get taken out? Why did it get taken out? I don't know. I guess that they maybe aren't going to go through with like more necklace things. Like this isn't going to be a running theme in these. Unfortunate. But this might be like overall for us like the best scene of the bunch. I think so too. Yep, I, that's what I was saying. This was definitely my favorite one. Next is extended Hobbs and Jonah talk, and this is them just making amends. I don't know what Aiga, because it's also a Aina. Aina. It's uh, the subtitle says A I G A. It says Aina, but it's A I G A. I don't know. And it's like also apostrophe, so I don't know what that's short for. Maybe family, because he's like the fact is I left you and I left our Aina. So family, maybe. I was thinking our island, like maybe. The- like our house, maybe, Very type possible. situation. But I, I, I'm not sure, yeah. And then just, you know, they just say, I love you, so then if we both survive this, let's make sure that we don't wait 25 years. Exactly. Yeah, which, again, cut it, totally fine. I mean, it's it's cute. I'm glad that they're together, but if you need time, there you go. Yep. This is a good one. Extended Sean Hattie talk, and this is what I was saying before, I think, this is them making amends, right? Talking about how to protect her, the machine's doing its thing. Is any of this scene in the movie? I feel like none of this is in the movie. I don't think so because he's like hey i've done things i'm not proud of things i have to make amends for all thanks to what that bastard put me through but right now the most important thing is me getting my little sister home safely and then she says i want to get to know my big brother again but she also like does this weird thing where she like looks at her watch and she's like i got like 22 minutes left and there's 21 minutes left to extract and then like seven minutes later after the like dance fight she like looks at the back of her backpack and it says 21 minutes left and yep. I was like, oh, that's probably why they cut some of this. Yeah, it's like, because there's a close-up of essentially like an Apple Watch with like a 22-minute countdown timer. And then you're right, like another point, like they're in the middle of the fight. They're like, cool. Seven minutes, minutes later. 20, yeah, yeah, 
Okay, it it can't both be twenty two minutes. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I'm thinking. Like they at least needed to cut the watch part out, and I think they were like, oh, okay. Well, while we're here, to like trim, 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 trim. So. Yep. Extended battle. It's pretty cool. You got an extended version of the dance too. Yeah, the Siva Tau. The Siva Tau. Yes. The guys like what I love is that when Hattie pushes the button, all the guns go offline. We see everybody happy and like. There's the big dude like when in the chase where they have like all the cars like linking as they're you know Hobbs has the chain to the helicopter and they're trying to keep the helicopter reined in or whatever and they're like we need a little bit more weight and there's like that big Samoan dude who like comes in his truck and hitches up like making a little bit of a fat joke there or whatever like yeah. he is jumping up and down like laughing with glee about like I can't wait to go into battle like they're just so excited to like bash these dudes with sticks and clubs and stuff that like yep. it's it's great watching it like this it felt i was like wow this fight scene is very well choreographed you know we talk about the guy from john wick yep director david leach yep with more of this it's even like more dancey and very well shot but the, the highlight for me was definitely like the extended dance part and i was like it's kind of sad that some of that had to go but it did feel like it ran a little long in this one so i see it i could take it either way i prefer the longer version but the movie is two and a half hours long so the one fight thing that i really liked was that hattie puts a tire around a dude and then deckard hits him with a sledgehammer what i thought yes. was, you know we've never seen a tire used as a weapon i don't think a motor we, yeah we've definitely seen a motor wrenches yep gnaws but like, a tire itself, beautiful. Exactly. The next one is Cliffside Walk, and this seems like a, an alternate ending to the final scene before the credits, or like when the credits yep. start, because it's like that weird, like, you're my mini-me, where there's like the helicopter shot or the drone shot, like, pulling away. It's like, this is this is how the movie ends? It's still a weird ending, but there's more here, but there's a very cool thing where Shaw's saying, at least I have friends, and then Shaw, and Hobbs says, this, I don't have, yep. you're right, I don't have many friends at all. The ones I do have, like you, I'm grateful to have, and I thank you, and they shake hands. And then they go into the sidekick stuff. But there's like that tender moment where it's like, actually, like, you know, like, I can joke with you, but like your friendship means something to me. Which is lost in the yeah. end of the real movie. And and Nico and Kevin, like, you'll hear, like, when we talk about it at the end, they're just like, why are they still bickering? Like, you came together. Like, we needed the, we definitely need this, the we're friends part. We are your friends? We Yeah, we are your friends. You'll never be alone again. Come on. We need this to tie it up. And I feel like that makes the ending a little bit like a little bit better so like why did they cut the this friendship part out of it this is also shot from a different perspective they're all kind of just like stopped on the side of the mountain and it's like facing them i get the the reversal because we hear shaw be like no the big doofy one's always the sidekick and like look at chewbacca and stuff like that that can all go but like leave the whole i don't have you don't have any friends yeah i don't have many friends but you shake hands like that we need. Yeah, I think it's something that the movie kind of implies that they have gotten over, like when they learn to work together to take down Brixton, that they are good now, but we don't yes. actually explicitly see it. And I don't know that we need it, but I think it's also nice to have and be like a kind of a positive because you can still end on the joke about like Batman has Robin and, you know, he has mini me. Exactly. Whatever, right? That's like, what I'm saying. What I also like about this is that they have, which I think is cut from the thing, Hobbs says that the, 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 the tiny little ones are always the sidekick. And then Shaw says the big fat stupid oaf is always a sidekick, which I thought yes. was you know kind of uh, enhanced because like at the end it's just like oh yeah famous dynamic duos cool and i yeah, think exactly. i think the movie also knows that that doesn't really work because like as that's happening it runs the credits off. are starting right it's just like you don't have to pay attention to this yeah and i think that it would play better you could even leave the runoff going if it was like we established that they're friends but then they still have banter yeah i think that the friends part makes it so that the banter works better they're like okay look we're seriously friends though and they're like cool and then like but you're an asshole and like you're like okay cool that's fine and i wonder if there's another reason that they maybe cut this because 
she's right because she is the one that like these two guys are being childish but it also kind of comes across Hattie sort of naggy at the end here which you don't want to do where she's like as much as I'd love to stand here and listen to you argue shall we go home and they're like yeah let's go and then the movie ends or whatever right but like yep. you kind of don't want like the harpy woman just being like boy stop being you know stop having fun like I want to go home like you don't it's not it doesn't come across like that yep. but it could and so yep that's fair and then the final final one scene, Hobbs and Locke phone call. This is an extended scene of the credit scene. Yes. A different take of a credit scene, like a deleted scene. Wow, I really didn't think we needed another one of these or more of these, Rachel. So it's crazy. And so Locke yeah. gets a Locke calls Hobbs. He's like, I got a pretty scary flash drive. There's something scary on here. It's in space. A killer. And I was star. like, oh, that, like when he said that, I was like, oh shit, oh shit, what is it? Like, are we like? I thought they were gonna go for a Fast and Furious in space joke. I I thought I didn't know if this this was setting up a Hobbs and Shaw too that they didn't want to like that they were like let's let's not get ahead of ourselves but like it then very quickly like Hobbs picks up on it I think before I did he's like Locke calls it a killing star no I got it Hobbs as soon says, as he said this kill star yeah. and then they're like oh you know there's like a like a z-wing fighter and you get in the belly there's a weakness you get in the belly of the killing star it has a laser it's very like it's very clear that they're talking about Star Wars Hobbs then ends it by saying do you think you saw it on that flash driver where you shot in the brain which is a very weird kind of like are you an idiot but like Locke just wanted to talk to his buddy honestly they should have cut this one in instead of the fucking second Game of Thrones one yeah. it's like the same vibe of joke but this will last way better and they did it twice and I remember how like we were in the theaters like what the fuck man like yep. stop and then this is like so much better it's like Star Wars like it's cla- you know what I mean like it has the same end goal because it's something so timeless it doesn't date it right yeah this one should have stayed they should have cut the fucking game of thrones one but that's it there's the 22 scenes 35 minutes plus the intro pound for pound the first movie still is the best because the first movie there's so much character stuff there that we're like how is how but there's some duds in there like you know jesse like i gotta pee i'll be right back it's like what what why Uh, yeah exactly both in volume and quality like this is at least the second best if not the best deleted scene i I think like this is just if you were out there and you're just listening to like watch these like they're just it's of a finished like production quality better than anything we've seen in any of the movies Mm -hmm. and also there's just more of them and more than a few are like actually meaningful for like character development and stuff like that so this is like such a pleasant surprise where i was like nervous both of the like the length and the volume of these but also just like are we going to get more? It's like, yeah, we actually get a lot more. When you told me that there's gonna, there was going to be 35 minutes of them and the 10-minute reintroduction, I was like, I don't know. And then we watched the reintroduction, I was like, this is going to be 35 minutes of, like, I don't know. And then when I was watching the scenes, I was like, oh, no. There's definitely, like, ones that I'm like, we could boot these. We don't need them. Like, no boob honking. We don't need that. There's some in here that I'm like, oh, shit, this was great. I'm glad it's included, and it should have actually been in the movie, in my opinion. If you like or even don't like Hobbs and Shaw, but you're kind of invested in obviously you are if you're listening to us you should watch these also there are way way more and you showed me the list because you want to make sure you were watching the right things like you saw that list there's like 15 featurettes and like there's a lot of like a lot of the movies have a lot of featurettes but a lot of them are car based like there's one that's just like the Hobbs family like looking into the family like oh like that's like there's so much more unpacked with this blu-ray and future laps that I'm very excited about that for a movie that we like but don't necessarily like as much as other ones like I think there's going to be more fun stuff to dig into supplemental feature wise on this one than almost any other movie i think so too and i think that they're setting it up well for this to be a meaningful spin-off franchise yeah give us more of this give us more hattie give us more queenie mama hobbs anybody exactly right? please all right joe let's take a break and let us bring in nigo and kevo to talk about hobbs and shaw
forever. This is episode number 146, The Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw. This episode is brought to you by Snowflake Memories. They also run a quilting business and use a lot of Valdani thread. Sorry, no storefront, but you can come visit them anytime. Just give them a call before you drop in. Snowflake Memories. Well, shout out Snowflake Memories, and welcome back to the show with us once again, including this episode, two and a half more episodes with these guys. So, like, it feels like no. they this is the end of the road, but there's there's more to come. All roads So we home. are very excited to welcome back Nico Vasillo and Kevo Reese of Husbands Talking More or Less. Hello, guys. Hey, guys. Hello. Welcome back. And if people are out there like, what are they going to talk about? We still are going to talk about, in some form, the video game, the Fast and Furious Crossroads video game we're going to talk about. So, uh... Still more FNF content coming your way this lap, so very cool. But we are here to talk about Hobbs and Shaw. We have one very important and probably very obvious question for you guys before we get into things. Would you say you are more of a Hobbs or a Shaw? Mm. Um, Difficult. You're a Hobbs. I know you are. Yeah, I guess I'm a Hobbs. And I'm a Shaw, and I know that. (laughs) I mean, they're both very similar, but also wildly different. I want to be this new reinvented Shaw that they have decided to engineer very quickly in the last couple of films, (laughs) who is very different from the person who killed Han, and instead is just this, like, grumpy... I'm a former MI6 agent, I am! Footy boy. (laughs) Bristol forever! Sex pistols! (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Mick Jagger, Keith Moon, all that stuff, Loves his mom. Oh my god, no, yeah, for real. The the mom factor in this movie. Wait, Mama Shaw or Mama Hobbs? Or both. both. The mama quotient in this film was spectacular. Because I believe last episode you were not exactly thrilled with Mama Shaw. You did not like Helen Mirren as much, but here we are, and we've got uh, Dame Helen Mirren here holding it down as Queenie in prison. I think it's because her appearance felt a little bit more random last movie kind of like ryan reynolds and kevin hart in this one yeah but seeing that she is a character that they are developing i think it's possible she's also going to be an f9 so like they're like she gets a spinoff i would love her and hobbs's mom to be in the potential lady spinoff movie why yeah. not yeah exactly please. it just started to feel like the love boat and this person walks in and this person walks in. And this person walks in. Oh my god, you don't need this many fucking friends. And I'm glad that you have them. But like Keanu was supposed to show up at one point too. Like, it's a lot. Yeah, so Keanu, as I'm sure you read, was supposed to be maybe a villain or something. Because this is directed by David Leach, who he knows from his time with The Matrix and everything. And <laughs> I think also the John Wick movies. And and also Power Rangers. That's not what they know each other Power from, Rangers. They also They couldn't figure out how to get him in the movie enough. And so they want to have him in a future movie movie maybe as a villain maybe as the head of etn we'll talk about that but yeah as of right now oh i wanted to know if they knew that like how helen mirren got involved in these no please tell us they were interviewing her in something and they were like what movie would you like to be in she was like i love the fast and the furious movies vin diesel heard it and was like well if you're down sure helen mirren if you want to go be in a for more women in the family. You just gotta get behind the wheel and you could just, you know, you could be in the movie. You know, when you're that big, you could just be like, I want to be in the Fast and the Furious movie and Fast and the Furious is like, fuck yes you do. I think especially because it plays so much against her type, so the fact that she would be interested, obviously she's Helen Mirren and she's going to do an amazing job Mm -hmm. whatever they decide to give her. But just hearing that she'd be interested, like, you know, there are scenarios where you just wouldn't think 
to approach mm-hmm. a person because it, like I said, seems so against type. Exactly. That's that's what made it so much fun for me. And also, she's like, she said that like the only thing that she's sad about is that she doesn't get to drive in the movies at all. Like she really wants to be able to like drive a car and like race in the movies. <laughs> I do want to get out of jail. I do. <laughs> For a movie where there's no Dominic Toretto, there's no Vin Diesel impersonation to do, I guess the, the voice of the hour is Mama Shaw. Because that's not like, that. there's no, ew, that's icky, you shouldn't be doing that to it, other than it's terrible. <laughs> yeah. So let's get into it. Before we talk about the clutch Letty moment, a question that we have now done, this is the ninth time at least, if not more, and I still forgot to do, think about it until the end of the movie. What did you guys think of Hobbs and Shaw overall? No. No? Okay. No. You weren't a fan? No. That's okay. It's not that it was bad so much as I think it put the focus in all the wrong places. Okay. Considering okay. how much of the trailer was derived from the portion on Samoa, how little that took up of the film was kind of insulting. That music montage where they're getting ready and fixing the thing. I would rather other things earlier in the film have been shorter and seen more of Hobbs's family and seen more development there. And that's a huge element of what takes away from this film. Either this should have been two films and the Samoa stuff should have been its own movie or they should have cut a bunch of the stuff from early on. Because we don't even find out. Elian Gonzalez, what's the name of the horrible company? Benetton? Etion. Etion. We don't even find out who they are for the first 40 minutes of the movie. There's plenty of stuff that you could have cut. And I think a lot of that is the function of now it's kind of the MCU syndrome where this movie can't just be a movie that's to set up the entire Hobbs and Shaw-verse, right? If you do too much on Samoa, you can't really go back to Samoa. I don't know. But I agree like I think that there are other things that it could have focused on but what we have here is still even what's here not really your cuppa well that's difficult because it wasn't a Fast and Furious movie so no matter yeah, what that's for sure I reached for that cup of Sprite and it turned out to be vodka and I like vodka but not when I'm reaching for Sprite you know Joey it's funny that you mentioned the MCU because this actually has ties to MCU shout out for HTML because it was co-written by screenwriter Drew Pierce who co-wrote Iron Man 3 he wrote and directed the Marvel one shot all hail the king and did uncredited rewrites on Spider-Man far from home no Spider-Man homecoming damn I didn't know that that's very cool you know just to, to jump back a minute when I say this wasn't a Fast and Furious movie I do need to double down this is not Deckard Shaw from any film thus far. <laughs> yeah. This guy is just this side of Lethal Weapon. He's just like a hardened cop who's had a bad day. Whereas in previous films, he was a psychoterrorist hyper murderer. And suddenly it turns out that he was framed eight years ago. So he's really not all that bad. And it's because of all the women. All the women and the children that humanized him when he saved that baby, and now it's his mm-hmm. mom and his sister with the uh, Bristol and um. Did you guys catch the main thing that kind of explains why his character is different? That when they're in his garage and they're like walking, you know, like Hobbs and Hattie and Shaw are like walking through the garage, and he sees the Mini Cooper. Yeah. It's an Italian job reference. Now they're just being like, oh, he's handsome Rob from the Italian job, not a psycho terrorist. That means nothing to me, though, because I haven't seen the Italian job. So (sighs) as someone who is just now a fan of the Fast Furious films, I'm just kind of annoyed that they are like weirdly completely rewriting his character 
and we're just supposed to be okay with it. And I like the character that they have turned him into. So like part of me is okay with it because I don't take it that seriously. It is a little egregious. I would rather him be playing his long lost, never before mentioned twin brother, uh, Rexall. I'm Becker. Rexall Shaw. I'm Beckard Shaw. Yeah. Beckard Rexall Shaw. Like this movie does really go out of its way to be like, it's not the Shaw that you remember, right? Like it it's does, yeah. trying to establish the justice for Han of it all, like saying he's a different guy now. Like, you know, you can you can like him now. Like Han's coming back, but like you don't have to hate Deckard because like Dex is a good guy. I I never really felt, I don't think, the heavy handedness of the you were, you know, MI six betrayed you or whatever. Like it wasn't your fault. Like I never felt how on the nose that truly was until this time but yeah it's there in a big way and it feels like they snuck it in because i barely even noticed that it was happening until toward the end when they were talking about it and i was like oh wait what like at this point i really will not be surprised if it turns out in f9 deckard secretly helped han fake his death so he could become a black ops agent and it (gasps) and deckard was a good guy the whole time guys nope hate it hate it hate it would be so angry because here's the thing fixing your art later on does not make what i watched not kind of a waste of time oh justice for han but like i am now starting to feel like well then what the fucking point like part of why that movie worked was because deckard shaw was such a villain he was such a threat Mm -hmm. he was so scary and now that that was never the case he was never really that guy why do I care? That's the interesting thing in both good and bad ways about the franchise. Now that you have seen all of the movies, all the video, video, visual content, I mean, there is, you know, cutscenes in the video game that we're going to talk about. The franchise has been both wildly effective and also, like, frustratingly effective, I guess, in completely rewriting its own canon to just fit whatever. Like, I think more so in both good and bad ways than maybe any other franchise. There is definitely some comic pendulum here. That way that, like, number one, I want to go out of my way to to, uh, fuck this movie for spoiling the end of Game of Thrones for people, I guess. (laughs) Like, that actively bothers me because they'd be pretty pissed if someone spoiled their films. Yeah. Did you know about that or did you... Yeah, I mean, I knew, but, like, it just, it feels like... In a really weird way, defeating someone else's art in a way you yourself would never be a big fan of. And even, like, that aside, the Game of Thrones reference is not going to hold up very well. Like, I mean, it's it, still yeah. going to be a big series, but, like, they go back to that well three times, I think. And, like, there's three different Game of Thrones references. It's like, what are you doing? I think the second thing for me is that this film really could have been summarized as it's the rock playing of the rock type character, Jason Statham playing a Jason Statham <laughs> character. Then there's a lady, also some cameos, you know their names because of the title. <laughs> like, it could have been any generic 1970s action hour. All that mattered was that the rock was playing another rock type character and he makes references to his humongous penis and his humongous muscles and how jacked he is and how funny he is and his eyebrow thing. He literally does his eyebrow thing. He's not <laughs> yep. even playing a reasonable facsimile of the rock. He's just playing the rock. You know what I mean? Yep. J- you know, Dwayne, the rock Johnson, but you know, the rock. Then here comes Jason Statham who, you know, I, I don't think that either one of them has a penchant for killing, but like he's basically playing Jason Statham's character type. I wear jackets. I blow stuff up. I'm a <laughs> ninja oh i am and like he plays this very sort of like jason stathamy character plus girl plus cameos idris elba like 
You know when you realize that the popcorn is burning and you're running to the to the microwave and you're like in slow motion, no, and every pop that you know is a pop too many that's burning the popcorn <laughs> is making you angrier and angrier because like sure, sounds, yep. it's starting to sound sad. By the end of the movie, that is what I felt about Idris Elba delivering his dialogue. <laughs> When he was like, then we'll try five times. Zap. I was like, popcorn, no. I I don't know. This was cartoon all-stars to the rescue featuring half of Fast and Furious. (laughs) Yeah, the plot did feel a little little more spy racers than feature film. I I think... The bigger issue here, plot-wise, is that, to what you said before, like, you don't really know what the movie's about. Like, the movie's about the virus, but the movie, it's about Etienne, but you don't, like, it's really, like, you don't really know the villain, like, you know the villain, but you don't really know the villain. Like, it's just, it's it's not poorly paced, it's just, like... We don't really know where it's all heading. Yeah. And that's frustrating. By the time you get to know where it's headed, the movie is over. Like, there's no coming down. Like, the mo- like the, the final battle ends, that's the end they of the movie. The sunset. It's the, the weirdest like kind of anti-climax to a movie ever. And I do want to compliment something, right? I know that off on X is for podcast where you can check out deep dives on all of the week's X-Men comics. <laughs> I know one of the things we talk about is, did this need to cost this much to tell this story? Mm. There was recently a two-parter that came out in the same week as a single issue. The two-parter cost $8 altogether, $7.98. The single issue cost $3.99. And we all kind of generally agreed, as much as we enjoyed both, the single issue packed a lot more content than the two-parter did. So in that regard, we kind of felt like maybe the two-parter shouldn't have been $8. Like, that was maybe a little too much. I feel like there is something inelegant but well-intentioned about how much movie they, like, fist into this one feature film. They say at some point to themselves, we look back at our earlier films... The best and worst things you can say about Fast and Furious, number one, is it's very 1999, 19, 2000, when, you know, 2001. 2001. Yeah. It's, it's very that time, you know? It's very the car version of The Faculty. The car version of Cruel Intentions. Mm-hmm. It's very that thing. Fast and Furious 2 is basically a Miami-themed Micro Machines playset <laughs> and doing a and d session with that. The third one is high-speed appropriation. <laughs> no. But then the fourth one is particularly kind of like, what am I watching? There's not really a whole movie there. There's trying to figure out what the first few were and could become. You also kind of need the mini-movie that goes before it for it to all make sense. But then out of nowhere, five, six, seven, eight are all way too long. And this suffered that same fate. It almost seems to me like in an effort to not be what they once were, way too light on plot, they have mistaken padding. Like, one of the things I teach my kids is, you know, your teachers make you write five-paragraph essays because that's a format that they can use to judge against things. So, or when they say 2,000 words, it's because that's a format they can use to judge against things. That does not mean that a 2,000-word essay or a five-paragraph essay is perfect, mm-hmm. right? It just means that that's an easy rubric for a teacher to use, and when they have to grade 600 kids, shut the fuck up. It's fine. But so students get used to saying things like, thus consequently... It became clear in the end unto all parties viewing the situation Mm -hmm. by any metric from any perspective. What you really should say is they noticed it was over. Like, like, they just don't understand that sometimes it's okay to Hemingway. You don't always need to Sedaris, right? There's a huge difference between, you know, being a David Sedaris who can write a single sentence that represents, you know, six paragraphs and 
you're sort of like fluffing your essay. Like the Fast and Furious films are fluffy. Yeah, I mean, there's no really getting around that, and I think it's just a matter of like enjoying them, like enjoying what's good about them, and not dwe- not that you're dwelling on what's wrong. Because I know we're just having a conversation, but like there, it's there's something just yeah, I don't know. It's it's good and bad, and I, especially when we're committed to a project that is to watch these movies on repeat forever. We kind of have to focus on the positives, right? And like. You're not, you're not wrong. When I was watching it this time, and something that I do really, really enjoy about this movie, and I said it before, is how much fun I find it. Like, it's so lighthearted, and coming off of Seven, which was, you know, losing Paul Walker, and Fate, you know, we think that there's a lot of problems with just because... I don't even remember the plot of Fate most of the times. Like, I just know that Charlize is a bad guy, and she's trying to nuke the world, and then... Dom's baby's in a plane, but, like, to have this one where it's just, like, a lot of jokes and just goofiness that I really like the breath that I get watching this one. It's not as tense, like, of course they're saving the world, but it doesn't ever feel as high stakes as some of the Fast and the Furiouses do. Well, so the goal in here, so I think the issue with Fate is that it's like, what is Cypher's plan? It's, like, accountability, but, like, what is what does that mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know what that means. And here... Etion's goal seems noble, which I feel like most villains' goals do. They want to prevent the end of the human race, because we're apparently on track to end it by 2096, but their plan to prevent it is basically genocide. It's like, ah, oh, in that regard, not exactly fun and breezy. Like, did you guys think this was fun? Like, taking on the fact that it's not really a Fast and Furious movie, did you think it was fun, or did you not have fun with it? I definitely agree with Joe about it being uh very light and breezy and fun but for me that sort of undercut the extremity of the situation they were in Mm. she's got this virus that apparently can kill literally everyone on the planet and you know that's scary to be watching right now and just like how silly they are being with it all i also don't understand why they immediately jumped to wait why did they have to kill hetty if it was only in her hand couldn't they just cut her hand off yeah a virus spreads all over your body you have to like kill and burn her had to get vacuumed out like from throughout her entire body that's what they're leading you to believe that it's like in these capsules they're flowing through her bloodstream. Like, she's doing, like, dialysis. I thought she said it was in her hands. She wound up her looking hand. like a fucking Ghostbuster. Well, she put it in her hand, but then it, like, spread. It's and in all was, of I guess, her. just like an injector site. Yeah, I mean, it's sci-fi, so. It did take me a while to adjust to Hattie, by the way, because I'm used to Vanessa Kirby from the first two seasons of The Crown, where she played Princess Margaret, mm-hmm. uh, and is not this action diva. Uh, but I loved her by the end, and I don't want a sequel that she's not in. Yeah, we think that she's at least firmly part of this world, like the Hobbs and Shaw world. I can't see them ever trying to get rid of her. And we're hoping that when like the Letty movie comes out, she's a big part of that as well. By far, I think the most dynamic new character they've introduced since at least Giselle. And it works her being in the Hobbs and Shaw verse because she is a Shaw. And if she gets with Luke, then she'll be a Hobbs. Yep, exactly. Hobbs and Shaw, literally. Man, because it does feel in a way that this movie is essentially like, hey, here's Hattie. If nothing else, this movie's like, hey, here's Hattie. It's her intro movie. Thank you. It's her welcoming movie for sure. It's starting to get frustrating, though, how many people have family waiting in the wings, (laughs) knowing what's coming in F9. Like, 
too many siblings are just like long lost and I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the other thing. If you guys have noticed, I don't even know if you paid attention because they, they so undersell it. Owen Shaw, not in this movie. Oh no. I, I noticed that. I kept thinking that he was going to show up at the very end mm-hmm. somehow like he did last movie. I feel with how little he was in of the last movie, I'm not surprised that he did not return. Because he's very, very briefly in the background, not him, but his his character as a child in the background of either the Keith Moon or the Mick Jagger, like when they have those flashbacks, he's in the background of one of those. At one point in like the opening scene with, with Queenie, she mentions Owen, like your brother Owen or whatever. But like, for a movie that is literally about these two families, right, and the extended Shaws that we know and the Hobbses that we meet, to not bring in an established Shaw? It's like, wait, what? I think Luke Evans was just like, I'm good. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Do we know anything about how Luke Evans feels about... These are tough movies to film. Okay, so here's, here's a question for you that sort of spins off this. In real life, from what we understand, unless it is still my hope that it is all of a, you know, an idea cooked up to increase drama that will then come to a head and be like, oh, we were just kidding all along. Vin Diesel and Dwayne Johnson hate each other, right? So that these this is now kind of separate tracks. Yeah. So do you see a world in which the franchise, the main franchise ends after 9 and then 10 and 11 or 10, 1 and 10, 2, whatever they're going to call it? Do you see any version of the world where these two worlds do not re-intersect? You know, it is very comic booky in that way. You know, it's not unusual for an extended run to, not to get too comic technically, but like oftentimes they'll kind of stick a miniseries to get out the whole idea they're trying to get out before it's too late. And when that first writer leaves, the guy who was writing the miniseries, they just kind of give him the title because look how much experience he already has with all these characters. He did that fucking cool miniseries, remember? Give him the book. And that's kind of what it feels like they're going to do. They're going to transition the cars out and it's going to stay the funny action men franchise, basically the odd couple with guns. Well, there were cars in this movie. At times, it almost felt like they looked back over their script and said, shit, we forgot the cars (laughs) and threw cars places. But still, they made sure that there were cars in there to a degree, not to the same degree as the main line of the franchise, but that's okay. I... I'm most curious to see what else is produced following this one, whether it is definitely getting a Hobbs and Shaw sequel, whether it is the female-led film, I don't know, but I think the future of the franchise beyond the mainline ending really depends a lot on critical response to this film and where they go next with it because it could either be really great or it could be like solo and they could be like nope no more fast and furious presents so this one underperformed a tiny bit at the box office it was not it did not make a billion dollars thing it made like seven or eight hundred million like it made like a lot of money but not what they were hoping for but they did green light a hobbs and shaw too they have not talked about that much, but there is one of those coming. There's the female-led, the Letty-led one that we do not know much about. There's 9, 10, 11. With all that said, and the rumors and whatever, would you say you're, are you more optimistic or pessimistic? Like, do you think that we're going to get more good than bad from here on out? Or do you think that, like, our best days are behind us? <sighs> you know, you be that's... realistic. I mean, like, we're yeah, going to, yeah. we're, Joe and I have to, like, you know, I'm we're contractually obligated to, like, we can't not be optimistic. Because, like, if we're not optimistic, like, why continue? Like, we have to pretend, we have to hope. I'm actually generally, like, coming. genuinely optimistic. Because you know how we felt after four, or at least how I felt after four. They're setting seeds for things. It's really, for so many different reasons, hard for me to say, because we 
don't have more information about the Letty Led film. Fair. We don't know what other films they might have in the works. And just with everything going on in the world right now, it's just taking the wind out of the sails of so many projects. I just, I don't know whether to be optimistic. I would say I am at least realistically 50-50 on it. I feel like it could probably go either way. I hope that it does well and that they do good and that the films are great, but I don't I just, I don't know. It's tough because this doesn't feel like the same franchise. Like I said, this feels like its own thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like I understand that it's not really the same thing as saying So, I don't know if you guys remember, but a couple of years ago they tried to make the Inhumans happen and they put them in theaters and then they decided it wasn't going to be a movie, it was going to be a TV show. And then they decided they were going to put the pilot of the TV show in the theaters. And then they quickly tried to bury the shit out of the show and pretend it never happened. That kind of feels like what they tried to do here, not bury it, but the try and sneak something in without anybody noticing. So this feels like a very different creature. This does not feel like Fast and Furious. Even if I don't agree that it was necessarily lighthearted because I think the body horror of this film was a little more than lighthearted. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that they literally refer to murdering people as a little more than lighthearted. I don't necessarily think it's severe. I don't necessarily think it's dark for the most part. It's no darker than any. I mean, it's no darker than Spy Racers. Like, yeah. it's, you know, it's not like the world's heaviest material. But like in that regard, yeah, you know what? I might have loved this more as an animated film with them voice acting it. It's not a bad movie, but it's not a Fast and Furious movie for me. It's a generic action movie starring Dwayne Johnson playing a Dwayne Johnson-like character and Jason Statham playing a Jason Statham-like character plus girl starring in You Know Their Names from the title. So last week we had a listener write in about how he thinks, because we have people sending their rankings all the time, which we're going to get from you guys on our uh, relap recap in four weeks or whenever that's going to happen. But he wrote in about how he's on a new rankings, but he was thinking about how like it doesn't make sense to him anymore to rank the first eight or even this one together, like, all movies together, because it feels like there's such a shift after three. When you do rankings, it really should be the first three, and then the last five or six. And then that's just how you do the rankings, like sort of two different rankings. We we kind of weighed the merits of that, whether that's true or not. We're still, it it makes sense, but also I'm not sure if I'm ready to commit to that fully or whatever. Is there now a third bracket as well? Have we seen, because I think there is an undeniable shift after three, but is there, was there another shift later, sometime between four and this movie, where we went from being whatever they were to a new thing? Or do you think it's all, is it consistent from four on out? Well, I think there's a natural shift after seven, but because we've only had one movie, it's a little harder to really see how that's going to affect the franchise as a whole. And I think part of it has to do with the way this was such a hard pivot. Now they're Go and run the world and they're being cops. Like, this was such a hard pivot from pulling off a heist, breaking into somewhere. Yeah, they were breaking into somewhere, but this was like on the up and up from the beginning. It just feels like a very different franchise. And not in an insulting way, because I love Dwayne The Rock Johnson, but, you know, it's kind of like a... Now it's just sort of like a The Rock is a cop franchise. Like another one of those. And Jason Statham is a surly Pete Wisdom stand-in kind of thing. Like, it doesn't feel dynamically 
unique in the ways that Fast and Furious does, even if we've felt like some of the bloom is off of the Fast and Furious's originality rose. Yeah, but I think that that's kind of their goal at the same time, is to make something completely different and accessible to a different group that maybe haven't followed along with the Fast and the Furious from the beginning, that it's like kind of an in-between where like you get some of the things that you do like about Fast and the Furious, but also they're like, okay, we can start a whole, essentially start a whole new franchise here and just go run with The Rock being a cop, buddy cops with Jason Statham. Like, I guess if, if the alternative is to have the same movie nine times in a row, like that doesn't feel good, right? No, and I'm I'm... More, if anything, sort of just kind of like blah on this movie hinging on so many fruitless payoffs. I don't think this is the worst film I've ever seen. I don't think it's the worst film of the franchise, but it's not a movie I'm going to go put on again. My favorite parts were in Samoa. The Samoan characters were the by far best part of the film. Hattie is a lot of fun. She's an amazing character, really well portrayed. I enjoyed the Helen Mirren cameo, but like, I don't feel like this was a Fast and Furious movie. I feel like it was a fun action movie. And if I saw it in the theaters with some people, I've had a good time. And if I saw it at a friend's house, I'd have had a good time. There's nothing functionally wrong with this film, but it doesn't have a uniqueness to it. It doesn't have a razzle-dazzle. I'm not talking about songs where they say the name girl or my man. Not like that. But there's a reason that songs that get very specific about a girl or guy's name frequently have a little bit more oomph to them. Think about Oh Sheila by Ready for the World or... I see that face you're making at me right in front of my face. I know it, but they won't. Okay, hey there, Delilah. Yep. Think about songs where you make it very specific. Specificity might even be exclusionary, right? Like when I listen to a specific Tori Amos song, Sugar, she says, Bobby's collecting bees. When I was in high school, I so identified with everything in that song, maybe not that particular line, but I changed the name Bobby to the two-syllable guy... I was fixated on at the time Tommy because it you know that it was so specific but like I could still make it about me this was just so generic it didn't feel like it was about anything mm. I don't think it was a horrible film and I think it definitely used its budget well I appreciated the numbers of explosions and blue screens thank you guys the film was good it just it this was not the next fast and furious movie and I'm left wanting for vroom vroom family time I think that's all well taken and I think the your mileage may vary on just how much the charm of the rock and mm-hmm. Jason Statham will carry you if you're the kind of person like me who will go see skyscraper just because it's a big action movie with the rock in it then I think you're probably more prone to cut a movie like this some slack. But if you are there for the type of content that you have seen before, and I think it's fair to be left kind of wanting a little. Like, this is a very, of all the movies in the franchise, this is the most divisive among people who listen to this show who have written in. Not like People generally might like this movie more than others, in the franchise, but I think overall, like there's there's people who have this like definitively as their least favorite Fast and Furious movie because they're like it's not a Fast and Furious movie. And there's other people who have like second or third overall. So like there's more divisiveness, and not in a bad way, to this movie than any other movie, just because I I don't know that people know what to make of it. I mean, and my rating would be very different if this was a Helen Mirren podcast or a Dwayne the Rock Johnson mm-hmm. podcast. If this was not a Fast and Furious podcast, if I was not looking at this as the show about the heart of the race. If I was not looking at this as a show about the Fast Force and the Furious Force, and if I wasn't looking for family 
to be this thing that you define. Because, like, Fast and Furious is about you define family. This was about your family defines you. Mm, Quite literally, it was their physical families. This was not them finding their family and, you know, finding the dream inside of them. This did not hit my rubric for a Fast and Furious movie. And as, like, you know, from my grading essay days, if you turned in a real fucking great essay, but it was totally off topic, I would still try and give you, like, a B minus and be like, but you nailed it. I just wish it had been on topic. That This was a pretty good off-topic essay. Okay, yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's a very good positive, like, hey, buddy, you tried, right? <laughs> yeah. So I have a specific movie question for you guys, something that we've talked about a lot, and I want to hear your theories on it. Do you guys have any theory on who is the voice of Etion? Oh, like the character or the voice actor? No, no, the well, character. So the voice yeah, actor the was Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. My thought was that the character is... Probably what's her uh, predator girl? Charlize. Charlize. Charlize character. Cypher, yeah. Cipher. I thought it was probably her. I think that's a little bit too much for one character, though. I see where you're coming from, and I'm not sure how, who else it could possibly be. I wonder if maybe we even need to deep dive all the way back to The Rock's first appearance and think about enemies that he has made. It's his We're- daughter. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. When we saw this in theaters, I was convinced it was Charlize because I was like, I have seen every movie she's ever made. I know her voice. I know her vocal intonations. It's Charlize done deal. And we left the theater and Joe's wife, Rachel, was like, oh, no, no, it's it's Ryan Reynolds. Like, I heard Ryan Reynolds. I'm like, no, you're Rachel. Come on. Like, I I did the pod. Like, I get it. And then, like, the news came out that it was Ryan Reynolds who did the voice. But he did it like as a stand in for whatever. So I will apologize again. Rachel, you were right. Mm -hmm. Um, Not that she listens to this. Our best theory, I think, is that it's a character we don't know yet, but it's someone who Cypher reports to. And whether that's going to be like the Keanu character, but it's the way to bridge these two things back together. Because there's like the Cypher in the main franchise, then there's the Etion in this franchise. And if Cypher is involved in Etion or tied into it somehow, it would make sense that that's kind of the bridge that brings us back together. I don't know if that makes sense. I don't know if that's doable. That's kind of the best theory. That's our working theory right now in the pod. But wasn't she just like the most powerful person on the planet and face. Yes, exactly. So why would yes. she report to Aetion? Because you have to have a bigger bad. Mm. I just hope whoever it is is also from Prometheus. Ooh, Fastbender. Oh my god, the Fastbender and the Furious. <laughs> Do you think she could be the ultimate villain that would carry the next four movies? Could they fight her four times? I think she looks like she has fiber optic cable coming out of her head. I don't want to put anything past her. Okay. (laughs) And you're joking when you say that, but we just saw someone get, like, upgraded with cyber optic, Mm -hmm. etc. So, you know. One thing to to, to hard pivot here for a second. One thing that I would love to see that in the beginning of this movie when Ryan Reynolds shows up, and I don't think this is not going to happen, but I could also see us kind of, you know, Kevo, you mentioned earlier the Marvel one-shots. I would kind of like to see a one-shot of the Ryan Reynolds character. It had been six months since he saw Hobbs, but, like, that's in the time that we know Hobbs. So, like, I would like to see, like, a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern of, like, Ryan Reynolds, like, behind the scenes of all these things and, like, kind of helping Hobbs through 5, 6, 7, 8. Like, I think that would be kind of fun. Mm. I don't think it's too heavy of a lift to, like, do a 10-minute kind of thing with Ryan Reynolds. You know, I don't want a full movie about it, but I think that that's the kind of thing where I think done right with the, the meta humor that Deadpool has that feels like Ryan Reynolds would be game for. Well, it would not be the first time that director David Leach uh, did something like that with Ryan Reynolds. He actually directed the Deadpool 
short film No Good Deed that oh. aired before Logan while it was in theaters as a teaser for Deadpool 2. Oh, I forgot that existed. Yeah, this guy's backstory is actually fascinating to me. He did stunts on like 19 episodes of Buffy. We just watched the episode of Power Rangers that he was in this afternoon, Lightspeed Rescue, up to the challenge, he uh, bullies the adult Power Rangers of that season and challenges them to a fight. But then in the end, he's a good guy. And this is the guy who directed the movie we just watched. Two guys together did the John, the first John Wick movie. It's this guy, David Leach, and Chad Stahelski. And Chad right. Stahelski was Keanu's stunt double on The Matrix. And so both of these guys came from the world of stunts. They teamed up at some point. I think David Leach was involved. He was like a stunt stuff on Matrix Reloaded. They came together. They teamed up with Keanu. But they both have gone on to like do movies like they've both expanded and exploded into i think that's why in this movie and in the john wick movies like the action is so good because they come from action like they know how to make it look good they know how to actually physically literally do it and so going all the way back to buffy and to the matrix and john wick and whatever it's cool to see someone who is capable behind the camera coming from the world of another thing because that other thing looks so fucking good when they're able to capture it the way that they do, right? So... I think it's possible that they met through Buffy because my research also told me that Chad Stahelski did work on Buffy. Oh, very cool. Okay. Small world. Do either of you have any other notes or thoughts or anything that you want to share before we play a couple games? Well, my Clutch Letty moment, which I never got to say... Oh, none of, none us, of did. us did. So I think my Clutch Letty moment was probably, and I'm not like that normally, but I'm going to give it to Shaw. When what? he used his own car as a ramp, that was actually, that was Letty pulling off some shit that no one, like, so he's the Letty. So hold on, if Hobbs is the Dom, Shaw is the Letty. Mm. So that actually does mean that Shaw wears the pants. Does that mean that Hattie is Brian? Oh, she's the yeah. other love interest. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Dom's other love interest. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I meant. Shaw is an outside the box. I like that, though. Kevin, what about you? Do you have a clutch Letty moment? Well, Hattie is actually the person that I would like to award it to. And now that I'm saying those names back to back, Letty and Hattie, that's a thing. Yep. Injecting herself with the virus. I feel like that is a very Letty move. Yeah, that is yeah. a good one. I had a I had a Hattie moment as well, and I thought that it was um when she's when she's fighting Hobbs when she first runs into him, and she's like, "Are you taking it easy on me?" I felt like that was a very Letty moment. Like Letty wouldn't want to fight Hobbs at like half strength because he's like feeling sad for her. Mm -hmm. I think overall this movie probably has the most pound for pound Letty of any movie in a while. Even though she's not in it, I feel like there's a lot of movies, a lot of characters that kind of embody her, like the points you're making. I think even Mama Hobbs at the end, where she's like, guys, cut the shit. We're going to make this work. Like, we like we need to come together. Both a Mia Den Mother kind of thing, but also a, hey, cut the nonsense. We need to do this thing. So I think that everyone kind of embodies a little bit of Letty. Accepted. Yeah, that's fair. The last question that I have is, do we get any sense of the significance to Hattie's necklace. I know it's got the lock pick on it, but when they're on the plane, when they get on the plane, Dex says to her, still wearing that? And put the pin back on. So, like, it feels like something from their childhood, but... He said he gave it to her. It feels like there's more to it that maybe we're going to know more about later, but that feels like a weird kind of thing to tease. They were estranged. That's what Mama Shaw, Mama Shaw was saying. Okay. Although we hadn't talked in a while and we were estranged, you still were thinking about me, is how I perceived it. I 
think because Jason Statham is just generally so aggressive, the way that he delivered that moment came across so much more aggressive than affectionate. And that's what threw Joey. And it certainly mm. is what threw me because I would have agreed that it did feel like they lingered on that moment significantly, that it felt like it should have been something more important. But now that, Joe, you've explained it that way and said that, you know, he's surprised that she's carrying a token from him when they're estranged, because the eight years ago I was framed shit was thrown in out of nowhere, mm -hmm. and because he is so much more aggressive than affectionate, that scene did not read the same way. Because again, they are just barreling Shaw down this redemption road. Yeah, they're trying to get him good pretty quick, right? Like, they're just doing everything they can. He's got this sister, and she's great, and she loves him. The mom's and great, he was, and they're all criminals, yeah. but they're fun. And now Hobbs is in love with the sister. Yep. So I don't know if we mentioned, but we have like a franchise-long theory that actually came from Mike Manzi. Uh, that he thought that the Ho that Hobbs could be gay. He's essentially asexual, like in every movie he does. Like The Rock never really has romantic partners. You know, in 8, he's got all the soccer moms who are there, but he doesn't seem interested in them. And we were kind of hoping out for, especially before we had the video game and before we had other things, like there was virtually no queer representation. We're like, that would be a cool thing to have such a prototypically, stereotypically male actor who has played gay before and be cool to be a gay character in this, and then he goes and kisses Hattie. It's like, well, you know, maybe he's pan, maybe he's bi, whatever, but, like, it was a little bit of a bummer to us in the theaters, even though, you know, who could not be in love with either of them because they're both beautiful human beings? It's very sweet that you guys read that into it and wanted it to happen. That disappointment is something that gays sort of just feel with every single fucking thing. <laughs> so imagine that feeling times, like, a hundred with everything you watch. I can feel where you're coming from. I would have never thought they would do that in this franchise, though. Like, when I said in a previous episode, or no, when I said on the New York Comic Con panel that I want more gay men in this franchise, I don't expect any amount of prominence or romance. I expect it to be a tertiary or secondary character at best, and I expect no love interest whatsoever, and I just pray that he's not incredibly effeminate to make it very clear that he's gay. <laughs> you know, yeah, it would have been wonderful if Hobbs was gay, but that's just not something. We were hoping that we would have gotten, like, phone rings, like, oh yeah, that's my boyfriend, and then just hangs up the phone at the bare minimum, right? Like, it's just like, just a passive reference that he just drops it. We'd never expected to see him or them together. Yeah, because we hadn't seen, like, any of his, like, family or interactions up until now. Yeah, because it came from a place where, because we've talked about all lap long, and, you know, for several laps in the show, about how for the most part, pretty good about inclusion this franchise is, how they kind of drop the ball on queer representation, and for us to have such a mysterious somewhat, you know, even though we don't know a ton about a lot of people, like, you know, Dom has a brother we didn't know about, right? whatever, right? Like, for to have a mysterious background character of Hobbs, we're like, oh, maybe, maybe that's how this all comes together, and then, you know, no. I just don't see them letting him be gay. Like, I appreciate that what you're saying, but you like, sorry. Yeah. People are working on it and getting better. There are people who shrewdly realize that making a character who's that major be gay will dramatically reduce their audience. And there's people who champion for it and work throughout the entire production or you know, series when it comes to some shows to try and get that representation. And I, like I said, I'm really just hoping for secondary or tertiary, because even that would be 
a triumph for this sort of film and the kind of audience that they know that they draw in. Mm -hmm. Not to get us put on a list or anything, but the reason that they tend not to put major homosexuality in action films is because you can't have it in China. I knew that this is what it was going to come down to. I thought about this too. Like you have to think about how it plays internationally on a movie like this big. Like you'd, you'd cut out like a ton of markets for them and I know that that has to be a factor in them choosing to not do this and at a certain point you know people need to just stand up and do it anyway but like you know we'll see I only have two other notes go for it one is that I think part of the problem with this film for me on top of anything else that we've discussed is Hobbs and Shaw are still dicks to each other at the end of it when you have what is ostensibly even without Hattie being their you know third member when you have something that is like a buddy duo these guys just hate each other the entire time i just can't root for that anymore mm. and you know you can still rib each other and you know that sort of thing but they really just seem to goddamn hate each other and i don't necessarily want to keep watching that that's just painful you're 100 percent right and i still laugh every time i think about that the lesson they learn like the thing that the, this movie hinges on is they're like oh we should work together that's the moral of the story like if we don't try to prove to one another that we're the strongest and hit him separately if we hit him together we'll win it's like yeah like that's the most basic like just don't be an asshole <laughs> yeah just be people yeah exactly so i guess we'll see how they're developed in f9 and the sequel and whether or not they start to become more amicable my second note is just a funny thing dwayne johnson joined filming two weeks after it started because he was rapping filming jungle cruise which has still not yet been released oh yeah his emily blunt movie he finished jungle cruise in early fall 2018 and that movie is currently on the schedule for july 2021 jeez i wonder how you have two weeks of this movie wow. to shoot without him like i guess it's the hattie stuff and like the but it feels Pick like there's not shots two... and yeah they had to film like most of this movie that he's not in in those two weeks like it even explains why there's so many awkward like dead on facial shots of everybody Mmm. Yeah. Nico, any other final thoughts? No, not really. Well, then let's play a couple of games. First up, this Ain't No 10 Second Race, a.k.a. Boy Do We, have a podcast for you. And guys, very exciting news. Last episode, we shared it. Uh, one of the tweets that Rachel fired off in between episodes, we got someone to email us from that one. So, like, Rachel doesn't get points. Like, Rachel just wins overall. <laughs> but uh, Rachel has gotten something that we've never gotten before. So we have a high watermark to now to reclaim. She killed it. She did. She did. This makes her queen. <laughs> Let us first review last time for The Fate of the Furious. I found Kenneth Pattengale at Cape Pattengale enjoying a nice evening in watching The Fate of the Furious. And it was pictures of Vin Diesel, Dwayne Johnson, Jason Statham, just three bald men all smiling the same smile. Boy, do we have a podcast for, for you. you. Nothing. Joe, you found a mini little thread between Alexis I'm Drowning Romero Walker and BLM about watching Death Proof and then Planet Terror Machete Machete Kills. We love all those. Boy, do we have a podcast for you or multiple episodes of yes. a podcast for you. Nothing. Mm. Nico, you found a very long thread from Josh Frulinger at Jay Fra, who was talking about the Fast and Furious for dozens of tweets. The direct tweet you responded to was, Vin Diesel says Furious 7 ending is best moment in cinematic history. We won't argue it either. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. Nothing. 
and I'm not going to spoil, but you can see where it's going. Kevo found Chef Swagger from Hell's Kitchen at Chef Spurls. The beginning of The Fate of the Furious is ridiculous. We said it only gets crazier from there. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. Nothing. Of course not. Failure across the board. If it wasn't for Michael emailing in saying that, you know, he his wife got Rachel's tweet, I would think that we're getting blacklisted, right? So yeah, exactly. So first up, Nico found, uh, oh boy, a bunch of symbols, no under 18, no under 18, Shobs, Bio F9, at Mia Juice. And then it's some Asian characters, hashtag S Hobbs. So I guess this is a Shaw Hobbs slash. This appears account, to maybe? be, yeah. That that is what this appears to be. Ooh. Yes. Oh, translate tweet partial maybe. Okay, so Shobbs hashtag Shobbs hashtag Hobbs and Shaw hashtag fanfic hashtag fanbook hashtag Deckard Shaw hashtag Luke Hobbs hashtag Hattie Shaw hashtag Margarita hashtag Samantha Hobbs and it's art of Hobbs and Shaw and Samantha all in like loving embrace. Like, they're one big see. happy family. And then there's one of Hattie and I guess that's Madam M, right? Yeah, with, together. Looks like maybe they're at a wedding, too. So maybe this is, boy, this is amazing. It's like a comic um, book. Like, in, yeah, this is pretty cool. I'm going to say this is amazing. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. I like the, the, the what was it? Shobs. We, we never shipped them together like that. But it, it was really, it was in front of us all along. It it's was. very obvious shipping. It's like. so obvious that we totally missed it. All right, Kevo found... DFast XO at D underscore speeder watched The Fate of the Furious, and it's still a good movie. My favorite scene was the ice scene and the submarine. Gonna be watching the last Fast and Furious movie, which is Hobbs and Shaw, tomorrow. Ooh, good tweet. Check out our next episode about all about it. Boy, do we have a podcast. podcast. For you. I love how you customize these as you go. I try, because we didn't do it for a while, and that didn't work. It didn't so work. we're trying something new. It still might not work, but... Yeah, because the one that Rachel hit on was just straight... Boy, I love Michelle Rodriguez. Yeah. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. Just straight. I'm going with Aubrey, with two E's, at baby, with two Y's, underscore driver, and her tweet is just, wait, I'm actually really enjoying Hobbs and Shaw. Wait, wait. So... Boy, do we have a podcast for you. Any customization or no? We really enjoy Hobbs and Shaw, too. I like that she's very surprised that she's enjoying it. I don't know if this is... I'm not sure this is going to work or not. We're going to go with this one. I mean, I, I haven't been hitting anything. I found Spooky Cockburn Wild at Kissy Perks, who quote-tweeted Lover's Discourse, saying Vanessa Kirby, Best Actress 2021. And then she says... Kissy Perk says, wait, is this Hattie and Hobbs and Shaw that are just jamming on a keyboard for a while? Yeah. We love her too. I am so in love with Hattie Shaw. I found that like, she was in the latest uh, Fast and, uh, Mission Impossible movie. Yes. She's also oh, going wow. to be in a movie, an upcoming movie that just, the trailer just dropped with Shia LaBeouf, which is That's very exciting because they're crossing both over. Yeah. incredible actors. Boy, do we. I mean, we love Hattie so much. I'd never Googled Hattie Shaw before, or I never Twittered yeah. Hattie Shaw before, and Good it move. worked out pretty well, I think. That's pretty smart. Cool. So, better luck to us this time. I think that's two games in a row, maybe, with zero points across the board, which yeah. is just, uh, boy, Rough. terrible. But... but special credit to Rachel for of knocking course. it out. I know, dude. Home run. Seriously. Okay. The last game with the play. Dude, what's my car? Dude, what's my car? What? Your car, dude. Okay. So, I'm going to go to our deposit, reposit. Repository? Repository. Suppository. Suppository. Of, <laughs> of car pictures that people have emailed them. If you want us to get a, guess a car picture, send an email to family at cageclub.me. We'll play it on the show. Uh, but Kevo, I would like you to pick a number between one and eight. Four. We're going to Hector Pena. Subject line, is this a car pick 
or a truck pick. Mm. Hey, Joey's, I have a special car for y'all. This vehicle is made for... I actually don't know what its purpose is. I mean that it is a car body with a truck bed in the back. It looks very cool and weird at the same time, for me at least. I gotta say, this could be a good car to drive because people will give you weird looks for driving what's essentially a German El Camino. Here it is. Gotta go. Stay fast. Stay furious. I was gonna guess an El Camino off the jump. Okay, but it's German. Uh, From the front, it looks like a kind of a standard... This is from the 80s, so I was gonna say like a standard 80s sports car. But from the back, it looks like a weird pickup truck. Okay. I think what the El Camino does... And Nico Kevo, are you guys familiar with the El Camino? A little. I would use the phrase passingly. So here is a picture of the El Camino. This is not the car, but Hector included this in the email. So it, like, it kind of makes sense. Like, it's a weird thing like still, it, but like it kind of makes sense as a car. Like, the design yeah. at least makes sense. This German El Camino, I think, I would say makes less sense. It's kind of a weird thing. Uh, it is white. Very helpful. It is Thank German. You. Okay. It's got European license plates. It's a prototype, so I don't know if this was actually ever made. Um, let me see if this actually ever got made. This company, apparently they secretly built this pickup truck in 1986. Okay, but like never like widely released it. Who no, made it? I was I built and widely released in 1986. It's a German car. Is it a Volkswagen? No. Is it an Audi? No. Is it a Porsche? No. It... The other one. Is it a Mercedes? A Vilkeman. No. Not Mercedes either? Isn't Mercedes like Austrian or no? No. BMW is... There you go. Okay. Okay, so it's a BMW pickup mm-hmm. truck, El Camino shits. The type of car that it is, I think, is a standard car that they made for 30-plus years. They haven't made it the last couple of years. They're going to bring it back. But this is a pickup truck variant of this car. Is it like some weird 7 Series? Like 7... 7 Series means 7 and then two other numbers. Nope. It, it kind of looks like a standard sort of sports car. It's got uh, dual white round headlights in the front with the fog lights, horizontal orange lights underneath. It's a two-door sedan. Is it a five series then? Nope. Because they made like three, five, and seven series. Did they have like a car name of something? It's like a name, not a number. No, not really. Like it's not, it's it's hard to describe maybe. Like I don't know if this is, hold on. So I'm going to say BMW five series. Let's just see what, what, boy, if I knew anything about cars, that would be better this game, but then the game wouldn't exist, right? Yeah. Ah, shit. I don't know, because like the 5 Series, there's like the E12, the E28. Those are those are like when they change the body types. It's kind of like that, I guess. I don't know. Okay. Ugh. Can you ask questions? Does it have a letter in the name? Yes. But it's not a word. Correct. It's a letter and a number. Is it like an M something? Uh-huh. An M7. Nope. Lower. M5. Lower. M3. There you go. Okay, so it they made an, an M3 pickup BMW truck BMW M3 pickup prototype. So the M is the motorsports designation. Um, Mercedes does like AMGs. So like when you see like a Mercedes with AMG, that's like their like motorsports division. This is goofy as fuck. I've never seen like, this thing. My brain would not allow me to describe it in any other way other than like it looks like a pickup truck. Like I can't, every time I try to describe something, it's like it, it just has a truck bed. Like that's all my brain can see with this. Yeah, it's a three series that they put a truck bed on the back and like even the back windshield, like the back window is like really fucking weird. Right? It's like, yeah, it's definitely like prototypey. Like they didn't plan this Like from out. the front, it looks normal. And then from it's the back, you're like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Anyway, thanks, Hector. Very interesting. Yeah, that's something I've never seen before. If you want to email in a car picture, family at cageclub.me. Guys, we've done it. We have now watched every Fast and Furious movie. 
But in two weeks, you'll be joining us once more to talk about Fast and Furious Crossroads, the video game that came out earlier this year. So we're going to do some kind of like walkthrough or something, uh, video walkthrough on YouTube. Um, Joe and I played it. I played it. Joe watched along. Um, mm-hmm. So we, I, I guess I'll watch again. I'm not going to play the game again, I don't think. We'll figure that out. But that's coming in two weeks. Are you guys excited for a thing that feels different? Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's exciting to engage in this uniquery. There's not a ton of story to it, right, because it's a game. But I think that the tidbits of story that you'll get are interesting for what it could mean later on to the franchise. Okay, can I do an eco for a minute? And I mean, obviously, cut what you cut. You're so much better at this than I am. You're so smart, Joey. I love your big <laughs> smart brain. I have this thing. I'm like such a fucking cocksucker about playing games in exactitude. So like, if I do a Kingdom Hearts replay, I like need to put in the side games on the other systems, especially once they made it so easy and put it all on PS3 like that, right? I really like this game series called Shadow Hearts. So, like, when I play Shadow Hearts, I play the PS1 game, Kudelka, first. And then I'll play Shadow Hearts, then I'll play Covenant, and then evidently there's a fourth one I never played. You know, I want—I was thinking about, like, video game series. I was talking to Exus for Podcast host Kyle, and I was like, you know, I want to play some video game series that I've never really given a chance to. And I was like, you know what I've never really played? Like, the Donkey Kong series all the way through. So I was like, I'm going to start with the first one. So I took out my Switch, and I started playing Donkey Kong. And I was like, oh, right. I guess you don't play as Donkey Kong in the first one. So then I'm like, this is kind of stupid. What sort of narrative sense of the game do I hope to get from playing the original Donkey Kong? Oh, I have a greater understanding of this character (laughs) now. (laughs) That one barrel, motherfucker. (laughs) like glad i got the ladder like (laughs) yeah because there's no there's no real stories in the original games you just plus you're just mario you're just running up a bunch of ladders jumping over barrels right so it's gonna be even weirder like i guess you know you're not even playing this you're just you're watching somebody i'm assuming there are going to be multiple uh walkthroughs i will sort of do some perusing the game is about three three and a half hours long I think you could probably skip through some of the actual action. I bet I there's like we'll... a cutscenes only. Though I I feel like there's some like in-game stuff. Like there was a reveal. Oh, there was. Yeah, that's true. That the, when we interviewed the game director, he was like, you know, we're actually kind of tease a place. And I was like, oh, you mean this place? He's like, how, how did you? How, basically, how did you remember that? I'm like, well, because I played the game a bunch of times because I kept dying in that place. So maybe find some stuff that is. Some, like, you know, during the game, there's, like, some dialogue that characters say. I don't know, but uh, we'll figure it out. I just restarted Final Fantasy X for Switch, and sometimes I'm like, that this wasn't a cutscene is very lazy, Square Enix. I feel like you owe me a cinematic. Yeah. Yeah, just like when Squall and Renoa are at the uh, at the ball, and he, she turns and spins and sees him, like, yeah, beautiful, right? Leave her in space. Mm-hmm. He belongs with Zell. Leave her in space. Man. Eight is like my favorite game of all time. It's it's the it's the great it's the absolute greatest. What would you guys like to plug? This episode comes out on Tuesday, so you are going to be and think in the heart of the Ten of Swords trial, right, or at the end of it on Exodus for Podcast. It'll be at the very end of it. It'll be finally fucking over. I've enjoyed it, been a great time, but it'll be finally over. Exodus for Podcast will be expanding to our new format. We're kind of changing things up a little bit. We kind of turned it into like the mutant version of the Tonight Show, and there's like cute bumpers and song cues, and you really don't want to miss it. It's kind of 
me apexing into my ultimate variety show form. <laughs> so you, uh, you, you, you might just want to listen for the the sake of the number of Ed McMahon esque setups I make Jonah do. Way, what's more important, your sanity or being cool? Important, very good to know. And Keva, what's going on with HTML? We are in the heart of Fantastic Four, but are we um, are we getting back to Star Wars soon-ish, or is there something else in between? Oh, something else in between. We have some very exciting holiday events Ooh. planned for the holiday season so keep an eye out for that Both thanksgiving and christmas or are you just picking one there's no such thing as thanksgiving for me what? there's just big holiday in the name of the great big holiday joey i'm formally inviting you to be part of this year's holiday high art in the form of <laughs> holiday home makeover oh. with mr christmas on netflix it's four thirty something minute episodes. I will do it. I was gonna I was gonna say, is your Christmas I was gonna make the joke, is your Christmas thing just rewatching rap battle, but it seems like it's not that, but essentially still that. Still can't find it. Yeah, we still can't find it, but essentially that. That is exactly correct. Well, thank you both so much for joining us as always on Too Fast Too Forever. And we're looking forward to having you back in two weeks to talk about Fast and Furious Crossroads. I'm and stoked. then you know, you have to do your exit interview. So I think I want you to start now thinking about, we don't need it next time, but start thinking about your rankings of these movies, either from most fun mm. to least fun, from favorite to least favorite to most Fast and Furious to least Fast and Furious, whatever you want to do. I always do like a wildly okay. different rankings. Joey always wants me to rank them like best to worst or most favorite to least favorite, but I try to come up with a a goofy ranking that fits the lap theme. Word count. Yeah, word, exactly. Length. <laughs> I'll just rank them by length one time. <laughs> You're like, yeah, that's mathematically correct. You are you are right about that. <laughs> Don't you can't argue it. Do you guys want to you want to plug where you are on social? I mean, people know by now, but if you want to give your social media handles one more time. Hey everybody, this is Nico Action, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at N I C O A C T I O N. That's Nico Action on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find me at Kevo Really K E V O R E A L L Y. Cool. And while you're over there, just follow Peak Jonah P E A K J O N A H to see Jonah too, because I mean, you know, he's around too. So. And this is all about family. All it about is. family. But for all things Too Fast Too Forever, you go to CageClub.me, Facebook.com/slash/TooFastTooForever, or at TooFastTooForever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us family at CageClub.me. Check out our Patreon page at TooFastTooForever.com. Come back on Friday for, can I do without, yes, Spider-Man 3. Spider-Man 3, we are talking about that on Friday. So very exciting with a special guest, I hope, I hope, I hope, pending schedules to work out. But yes, Spider-Man 3 coming at you on Friday. Tobey Maguire singing and dancing, doing some jazz stuff in Spider-Man 3. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe too. And that was Nico Vasillo and Kevo Reese of Husbands Talking More or Less. And we'll talk, we'll, and we'll tell you all about it. <laughs> when we see you again. I'm never going to get it right. I'm you, never going to get might. it right. 